what a privilege to be with you and yeah, to go through this whole weekend and we watched the movie and I knew there'd be some great expressions that come up after that and and yeah, thank you all the way through. Jiska, thank you for going through the process so transparently with, with everybody. It was beautiful because we had someone during the movie, uh, Esther wrote in that she was even going through suicidal thoughts and that she, she actually saw when Jiska popped through and started smiling and laughing, then that, that helped Esther pull out of the, the suicidal thoughts. So it just shows how we're all in this together and we're, we're all benefiting from the transparency uh, that we offer here. We can all really let up what needs to come up and let out what needs to come out and then trust that the Spirit will orchestrate all of the expressions and the movies and everything that we hear to bring about our healing in the mind. So it's quite intimate that we can do this. And Francis is joining us today. Yeah. You, you've enjoyed the, what you've seen of the, the weekend so far? Yeah. Hello, everybody. I actually have been watching everything and your <laughs> shining faces the whole weekend. So I felt like I know every single one of you already. And um, just uh, so grateful for you, whether you join us for the retreat for the first time or um, been here for a long time. But yeah, I, I want to just anchor what David just said. It's so, it's so precious when we started to just allow our hearts to be open because it is such a gift to absolutely everybody who is watching. And, you know, Jesus says, look, let's, you have received all the miracles and you don't know that you have received it until you give it. And I really feel whenever you pour your heart out, like that, you really started to see how much a gift that you have received and, and, and are able to offer because everybody started to heal because of, of that connection and that, that sharing. It's just really, really, really precious. So, yeah, thank you. Yes. It's like really our, our lives become witnesses and demonstration for what is possible. So. You know, when sometimes you can think of it as like the, there's this whole world of seven billion people and different countries and cultures, and but yet it still comes back back down to this intimacy in our mind and in our our relationships. And when we join together, we all gather together like this uh, in these once a month retreats. Then it's like our openness, our willingness to heal, is really a you might say an example or a microcosm of the macrocosm. Uh, we're like the, the edge, like many great masters have said, it's that point where you have the deepest, darkest fear and guilt. It's that same point where the light can stream through. Uh, so it's, it's not seen, darkness and light are not uh, held as if they don't have any kind of healing relationship because it's literally, if you think of the light pouring through that, that point or that hole of the darkness and filling the mind with light, then it's, that's where the authenticity comes in. It, you know, if you're feeling very dark, like Jiska was really expressing how, how dark the dark 
and feel and we could all you know be there with it and be with her in this and then and then the spaciousness and the prayers of everyone and everyone joining like calling on the light calling on the light the light just kind of pouring right through that puncture that that dark spot uh, you know where the, the light can come right through where the wounds seem to be which is in the mind uh, that's where the light can reach us it, the, it can be reflected in the world and certainly in Christ's vision that's what we're called to go into is to go into this point of light in our mind and that let that radiate through us through our mind and light up the world so that's why vision is is seen to be something we can give and I was talking about with Aries question that idea the point that where the mind chooses to completely join with the Creator and God takes the final step that's really beyond our curriculum we're here to learn how to be the bringers of light we can't be getting too caught up into how long is it going to take me to perfectly accept this correction we've got so much light to give right now and we have it right now it's not something that we don't have already within us it's already there so I think that's like something that we'll we'll talk about a lot today that we have the gift we have the gift of light uh, to give mm -hmm. and we can give it there's nothing really that can hold us back mm -hmm. from giving a gift that we already have yeah and another thing that I started to think was when I listened to you guys when I listened to Ken and Greg and and all of you it was just so obvious to me that we didn't really choose our path, but our path chose us. You know, Jesus chose us, and our path actually chose us when we were the most clueless. We didn't really even know what we're looking for, where to look, and just one step at a time, it comes to us and become more and more obvious, more and more recognizable, more and more solid in our experience. So I thought, wow, you know, to say that we need to know, but we, we're here, right here, when we didn't really know anything about how the path was going to look like and was going to unfold. So the, the, the point for me was to, to see, you know, if, to accept that the path actually chose us and there is a meeting point now because we recognize it. It's not just we're completely in this vagueness and this fog, but we also meet the path. We acknowledge it. We're, we're aware of it, and we, we're grateful for being able to meet that. Then it is for us to fully accept it. Okay, this is, this is the path. This is you who chose me. You know, somehow you made it all happen without my awareness, then I'm just going to say yes. That's all that Jesus wants us to do. Yeah. Just say yes. Yeah. Reminds me too of that, that song some of you might have heard of, like Total Eclipse of the Heart, uh, you know, where once I thought I was falling apart, but it's a total eclipse of the heart. You know, the ego taught us that the world was important, that outcomes in the world was important, you know, be good, act right, be a good boy, be a good girl, um, 
learn lots of good things, which is really judgment, but we, you know, we, nobody ever said in kindergarten or first grade, uh, oh, we're going to give you a long curriculum of judgment now, starting uh, with kindergarten and first grade, and then you'll be at this for the rest of your life, learning, learning, learning. Uh, not telling us, like Jesus told us from the Manual for Teachers, that it's a curriculum of judgment that we were handed in our mind from the ego, and, and we, we needed to unlearn. We, we really needed to unlearn the judgment. Uh, and and that, if we had an owner's manual, which I guess in some sense we did, you know, Jesus said, judge not in the Bible. So there's, there's the owner's manual. We had an owner's manual all along. It's two words. <laughs> but nobody emphasized that, you know. Even in church, for me, it wasn't like those, those words were emphasized. It was like all this other stuff was added on. And then somehow we got caught up in outcomes, you know, did you get the good grades? Uh, they didn't say, are you happy in school? Mm -hmm. They just said, did you get the good grade? What did you get on the exam? Uh, instead of, are you happy? Are you happy, I think, is a more practical question uh, that you should ask children. And even as adults, uh, I've seen movies where they, they say, like a, Selma Hayek was the character in this one movie with Russell and at the end of this breaking up movie, you know, somewhere in the movie, uh, she said, are you happy to him? Because they'd gone through so many makeups and breakups. And, and she had a look on her face like a guilt. Like she was embarrassed about asking the question, are you happy? And it's, that's a pretty much of a commentary on this world. If are you happy is a question that raises embarrassment or guilt or that, oh, that's not a real question. Why not? Uh, you know, that seems like an important question if you're starting to undo falsity. So, what I really feel is that we're starting to see that outcomes, it's not really about outcomes in the world, it's about our state of mind. And in terms of judgment, Jesus says, without uh, judgment, all outcomes are equally acceptable. Wow! That's an open-minded statement. Without judgment, all outcomes are equally acceptable. And then you can put that with another quote from Jesus. Um, Comparison must be an ego device, for love makes none. Oh wow, that's another open-mindedness expression. You know, comparison is an ego device. So, wow! We can all say, we've been raised with a curriculum of evaluation, of judgment, and comparison of the right, do the right thing, make the right judgments. And Jesus says, that's what we read yesterday, he said, no, and that's how the world sees judgment. But actually, um, that's, that's evaluation. That, that is keeping you in a state of split, a state of conflict, and that Actually, he tells us that judgment, which he associates with the Holy Spirit, judgment, he said, through you rather than by you, that judgment is wisdom. Wow! From the ego's version, which keeps you kept in darkness, to the Holy Spirit's version of, of judgment, which is the wisdom to guide you step by step, unwind you from the ego, unwind you from this world of time and space. Those are two different views of judgment. And so that's why I'm 
Francis and I always talk, we, I don't think we can do a talk anymore without talking about guidance. We, we always get to, if give us a couple hours, we always get around to that topic. Because, because it's so practical, that's the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit coming through and, and giving you practical, day-to-day -day guidance on where you believe you are in time and space, and saying, oh, just keep have faith in me and I'll, I'll take your mind higher and higher into higher frequencies, into higher vibrations, into a closer alignment with the light. And, yeah, wow, we've got each other to do it with, too. So we're not even, we can't even claim the lonely card anymore. <laughs> we, Jesus is like, you know, with all these mighty companions, how can you still try to play that ego lonely card? Oh, woe is me, I'm in this fight all on my own. And no, no, it's not, you don't have to see it as a fight. It's, it's a happy, happy journey, adventure, going home. <laughs> Well, there's so many points we could start. You've looked through all the, the questions, and also I mentioned too, I told Francis I would be at the car to come over here to the studio, and then uh, Kenneth Price from our co-living community, just a message came to me right when I was getting ready to, to leave, so I, I took the time to read through your message, Kenneth, and, and uh, I shared a little bit with uh, with Francis, but Kenneth's there at our co-living community in, uh, up in Camas, and um, it was really precious that you, uh, you poured that out, because that's the point when we really want there, Kenneth, is when you, you have a reaction to something and the rage comes up, and then you call for help. You just write to a mighty companion and say, uh, hey, I've been working on the mind train this morning, but I I just seem to flip into rage again, and uh, and I that's why I took the time to, to really read through what you had written because I was like, oh, it, it was relating to a post, a video, or or something. But I think I think what I got from the bottom of your your message to me was there was there was a pretty strong rage reaction to the idea. I don't know how or, or where, but it's all based on the interpretation. So, to this idea that Jesus is the only way. And so I thought maybe that would be a good um, topic to go in, because uh, you won't really hear those words coming out of my mouth. Um, I did have a, a friend recently who wrote to me a, an email message, a pretty long one, and she wrote in it, she was so intoxicated with Jesus, but she actually said those very words in the email to me. Uh, she wrote, Jesus is the only way, period. And, and I remember just shaking my head, and I'm going, no, that, that is very confusing to, to, the, to the mind that still believes in form. Uh, you know, that's just like saying a leaf is the only way, or a particular uh, flower, tulip. Tulip is the only way to God, I'm telling you, <laughs> you know. And to me, I took that the same way. And a lot of people, sometimes Christians, will say, but it's true. And, and I would say, listen, there's a big difference. We have to get the clear between form and content, because if Jesus is just love, and a presence of love in your mind that's there, you know, to help, uh, that's one thing. But, but the word Jesus, 
uh, or even the word God, for that matter. You know, I mean, I have people in Europe, when I'm traveling in Europe, that, that <laughs> it's like a, a, a four-letter word. It's a three-letter word in, in Europe. Use the God word and they, you know, don't you know, we know science. And, oh, oh yeah, great, science. Let's talk quantum physics. Oh, you know, it's all about the connection, it's all about the healing, it's all about the love, the embrace, the acceptance. But, yeah, what did you, what do you feel with the whole thing with Jesus? Because you grew up in Beijing and so you kind of came up through a, a very much of a, an atheist or a very different um, perspective, and then it's almost like you, you came in and met G Jesus, or had a Jesus experience with no connotation, no memories, like a little child with eyes wide open, and then Kenneth's uh, interaction with Jesus was coming through a Christian church, which was basically saying, you know, gays are going to hell, and and Gay has nothing to do with uh, with the teachings of Jesus, and and really almost feeling kind of more ostracized, excluded, excommunicated, uh, associating those kind of of feelings with that word Jesus because of 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 the Christianity that was coming through. Whereas Francis is like, you know, for her she's just all wide eyed and and. Who, what is this? Who is this thing? Going to a church and maybe with your mother and just having some warm feelings come into your heart with no associations of anything with Christianity or the history yeah. of Christianity. That's what I was thinking about it all because I do know that before that, when I first went to church, I did have this strange idea that came to my mind out of nowhere in my 20, early 20s, like, who's Jesus? Like, what is this all about? And I, I just started to think how amazing when our mind has this slight openness, then that little seed start to grow and be taken on this, this journey of finding out this profound presence turn out to be way beyond a historical figure, of course, but it's this pure essence of who we are. But at the beginning, it was purely just a little seed. I didn't even know where it's coming from, because where I grew up, that was a, not a topic. But I also was thinking about you, Ken, and everybody. I think must be that this is something we share. In our mind, there was a tiny little seed that started to feel this this desire, this curiosity with this particular symbol. And this symbol just started to grow to say, I, I can use this symbol to take you all the way. And I do feel like, you know, I, with you know, uh, Pramananda Yogananda and a lot of the other pathways, and, and they have, their, the path find them as well. You know, that when he first met his guru, he, he kneeled down in tears. He had so many dreams about him. These paths seem to just come to us when, you know, it's like a predestined. It's all written. Like yesterday we were talking about It's so deep. And in that way, when we talk about form, it's almost impossible to judge the form and say which form is your form. But what all that I can say is I feel so amazed when I realize that 
that our the little seed in our mind started to be to 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 get blossomed and eventually become this huge you know pathway and fruit that Jesus is personally taking us every step along the way to this to this um, eternity and for us I feel like let's just enjoy the ride and say yes to it because we didn't really pick and choose it. And so is everybody else in the Eastern tradition, in the Buddhist tradition, when I listen to their pathway, it's amazing how the pathway found them. And it's their job to say yes, to, 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 to really practice open-mindedness and to give themselves over to it so in that way, we can just render this form irrelevant, you know, to the judgment of what is right, what is wrong. And I, I think when David and I went to China, we have so many people ask that question about how do I know the course is the path, is my path, and do I can I practice multiple paths at the same time? And it's really the same lesson: know your path and go deep. That is the only message. And I feel like that is some, one thing we can know, which, which is the path that found us, which is that we feel, we resonate with, then let's go deep with that. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something I heard, and I've shared with Francis, and for many years, you know, because uh, I was kind of like, I liked, for a while there, I liked more of, I think it was just intellectual curiosity because I was like, well, they call it the spiritual smorgasbord. That's what people call it now. They were like, oh, fascinated with the menu and looking at all the menu and almost making like some kind of composite theology. Oh, slip a little bit of this in and a little bit of this and that. And yet I don't, I don't really feel that that's really what your issue is coming from the the rage, I think, is, is just coming from these, these interpretations of these associations of memories. Uh, like, how could this be love? Almost like it just seems to be the farthest thing from the experience of love and acceptance. And so, whatever seeming pathway we're drawn to, it seems like we still, that's where we, we still find ourselves doing that inner work when when we find our, our mind tempted to uh, pin something like happiness and joy and love onto a particular form, either expecting the form uh, to be that love or that happiness or that joy, or expecting the form to, to lead us to that and making some kind of inclusion-exclusion thing, which, uh, which really is what you're getting at, Ken, and I think Barbara mm. uh, mentioned yesterday, you know, very full uh, message too about searching for that, that meaning, searching for the truth, searching for even the pathway, and not wanting to exclude anything that could be helpful, but also wanting to go into that experience, that, that feeling of love. That's what everyone is calling for. They want to just feel the love and the connection. And there seems to be these associations in the mind that seem to be just striking memories of not that. Uh, and, and then a hatred uh, can rise up, a, a rage 
can rise up uh, almost like, how could you, how could you do this to me? How could, how could you treat anyone, myself or anyone, in, in, in a hateful way? And that's more of a projection of our own, if we believe in the ego, there's where the self-hatred is. You know, we're, we're believing a lie about our identity and there's huge hatred that generates out of that, rage generates out of that, that most people aren't aware of. You know, you can't really continue to function as a human being with, with intense rage just coming from your heart and, and, and occupying your mind. It's hard to... It's hard to even do anything or to function, so that it's pushed. It's pushed, it's repressed, it's pushed out of mind, so that there can be some sense of functionality. And yet, one of the, the ideas that Jesus shared, the one that really hit me the strongest, I think, for me, when I was reading the Course, was when Jesus said, until you are willing to look upon the full extent of your own self-hatred, you will not be willing to let it go. And I think the reason it hit me so strong was that last part, you will not be willing to let it go. It was like he was saying, at some point you will have to allow up into awareness that which has been denied and repressed in order to let it go, only to let it go, not, not for any other reason. Uh, just to look upon the full extent. And to me that's, that's looking within, that's really doing what you're doing, Kenneth. You're, you know, you are just, you're just, as far as doing the path, you know, you're, you're looking at things in terms of mind training, you're, you don't want to be a sleepwalker, you know, or a walking zombie, you, you want to feel fully the feelings, because you want to feel fully the love, and, and if, if there's a part of your mind that's been in denial and repression, you're just saying, no, no, I'm not going for that anymore, you know, turn it around, I'm going to turn it around, I, I, if my ship was going in that direction of denial and repression, let's, let's crank the wheel here, and we are going the other direction, and we're going to set sail, and maybe we have to face some pretty high waves, and maybe even what, like that movie, A Perfect Storm, where the waves are a lot bigger than the boat. Sometimes it seems like those rage waves can be like, whoa, look at that, that thing's like 30 feet high. Uh, and that's facing our own uh, self-hatred. So, yeah, maybe you want to share with us a little, Kenneth, because, you know, it's present for you. It's something you, you woke up with, you know, and you're, you're like dealing with it this morning. So, I think that can help, you can actually help all of us uh, with, with this. Well, thank you. Thank you for your perspective, David. That's, you know, we're, we're, we're here in this community to let go of the stories, but I'm not done letting go of my story. And, you know, I, I really, like Francis said, you know, somebody planted the seed when I was very young. The Christians did. And I, I want to thank the Christians for planting that seed. But when I came into adolescence and discovered that, that I had a gay orientation, then all of a sudden that love, they, the Christians went into fear. And I didn't have a vocabulary for that. I, you know, you tell a 17-year-old, 
um, they, they just think the love's been removed. They don't have all these metaphysical teachings to understand that, no, they're going into fear, they're facing theirs. And so then my story took a detour. And, you know, my heart closed down to, to you know, this, this wonderful love. And it, it created a, a, a 20, 25-year detour. And there was a lot of trauma in that detour. And uh, so, David, when I, when I found the Course in Miracles and I heard the word Jesus, but this is not the Christian Jesus. I think it was Deepak Chopra, you know, wrote a book about the three Jesuses or something. But you, you've, you've shared with me a metaphysical, and, and, and the Course is a metaphysical Jesus, which has unwound all of that nonsense, which created the misunderstanding in the first place. So, you know, it's kind of like I'm taking the ball and running with it. But then, you know, I get thrown this um, roadblock. You know, this morning I opened up Facebook and I read, you know, from a community member, Jesus is the only way. And my, this pain body just comes back. It roars to the surface. And, you know, so oh, what, do I, what do I do? What do I do? You know, run to the, the workbook, lesson five. I'm not upset for the reasons I think. Well, yeah, that's, that's a perfect lesson for this. But I was in so much rage. And, and so it was good. You know, in this community, they call it a forgiveness opportunity. So I was in so much rage that I, I finally just said, this lesson's not working. I have to put on my jogging shoes and I've just got to, you know, go running and, and pray that way, which is one of my tools. Um, you know, in, in the, in, you know, you, you say from above the battleground, but, uh, well, and from above the battleground, that detour and all that, you know, trauma, that actually gave me depth. It gave me depth and it gave me compassion and it gave me many things. And it's, it's a hard hole to, to, to dig myself out of because that, those resentments, and I'm from the 12 steps, so we call them resentments. This community calls them grievances. I don't care what they're called. I have to face that, that, that victim and I have to take responsibility for it. And I'm still in it. That's why I've chosen to come here and live in community. I, you know, I can feel when that victim comes to the surface and it has to be addressed. And, and it's a lot of work. So when I got back from jogging this morning, you know, I had all these, these attack thoughts. You know, I'm going to attack the ministry for allowing that Facebook. No, 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 no. You know, that's clearly an attack thought. Go jogging, Kenneth. So when I got back... <laughs> <laughs> I know the drill here. So when I got back, I said, just, just write David, you know, put it, you know, put it line by line and, you know, let David help me unravel. I can't unravel it by myself. It was a, that message to you was a cry for help. Can you help me see this? You know, I was interpreting it from my egoic, you know, they're wrong. I'm right. You know, my ego says, I, I, I want them to feel the pain that we felt. No, 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 no. Okay. Listen, I, Let's, let's look at this from the spirit's perspective. And that was my, my cry for help, which you answered beautifully. Thank you. And you too, Francis. Thank you. Mm, thank you, Kenneth. We're all seeing your smile and, and we're all uh, grateful for love lifting us beyond that. Because when the feeling of the rage, it just feels so heavy on the heart and it, it feels so closed. You said it. It, it feels like it's... A, it's a closed heart. And then when we can break through and just join in, with a mighty companion and feel that, then the smile returns and 
very much like Jessica yesterday. You know, we all were watching her, and then when, when the smile came across Jessica, you know, the, it was like, now we can close the meeting. <laughs> you know, we, we had to wait. Uh, we just had to say, hey, stay with it, stay with it. But when that beaming smile comes, then, you know, it, it just is so strong of a reminder that, that we are being lifted. That's what you felt. And who was it? Uh, uh, Seema sent a, a song about the rising up. And that's what Francis was playing to that uh, on the way when I was just arriving today here, you were playing that rising up song of a, <laughs> of a little white boy and a little black boy hugging and then just going running down the sidewalk in glee together with the song of rising up. Yeah. No time to waste. No time to waste. That's huge, Kenneth. No time to waste. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then maybe we can go to, to Barbara because Barbara, I mentioned it uh, yesterday, it was so beautiful, such a beautiful uh, witness and expression because like Kenneth talked about, um, he had certain reactions when he was an adolescent and, and it was that way, but it sounds like um, you were just sharing with us that, that you, you've been quite open to different pathways and symbols that have reached you in you mentioned White Eagle, and you mentioned others, of just friends, people you've been associated with, and then these symbols of the mist coming, which was kind of a, more of an abstract kind of symbol of the mind. And then you've had some amazing experiences of like starting to connect with this presence we'll call Jesus, uh, not necessarily a historical figure, but Maybe you can just share a little bit of that journey because I think that that almost like dovetails with with what Kenneth was talking about because for for many of us, I mean, I had the same reactions when I was part of the Christian church. There were certain things that would, my heart would light up with and there were other things that I thought, ah, that doesn't resonate and I don't I don't think Jesus meant that and, you know, I'm sure many of us could relate, but but yours is more from an eclectic uh, approach, which I think is really valuable when we start to go into this idea that we're looking for the presence of light in our mind, and yet we have these associations with different historical characters uh, throughout history, uh, and there's a part of our mind that wants to be open-minded, but we almost feel embarrassed or guilty or shameful around uh, just picking a few few symbols that we relate to and resonate with. So maybe you can share with all of us about your journey. Oh, thank you, David. Um, thank you, Francis. Um, yeah, I didn't grow up in Christianity. I grew up in a, in a mixed-race family, and my father's people were very staunch Roman Catholic and uh, my mother's people were um, Lutherans, actually. And, but I didn't, we didn't grow up in Christianity. And our parents were very clear, like, we can't figure it out. And whatever you decide you want to believe, we'll be happy with you. And, uh, and I, like, you know, in my childhood, yeah, there were occasions that I was in church. 
but as a child, I was sitting in church and I was listening to what the minister or the priest was going on about. And inside as a child, I go, that's not true. Like, where did that come from? I just knew what was being said wasn't true. And then, uh, you know, I grew into teenage years and becoming a, a woman and I grew into political activism and being a feminist and you know environmental activist and very passionate about indigenous existences and uh and what the church did to what people in the United States call Native Americans what in Canada we call Indians or First Nations people in that whole history of what was done and the devastation of, of residential school. And, and I'm a product of, I'm an intergenerational survivor of residential school. And just having this deep hatred for Christianity and wanting nothing, nothing to do with it. So in early recovery in the 1984, I recovered from, started my recovery from alcoholism. And I had this experience when I first did my third step prayer in, in earnest. I had this deep experience with the light. And I was so shame-based. I went, holy crap, I haven't been a good person. I'm going to get zapped here. But I surrendered and, and I experienced what it is, you know, a loving God. Because I wasn't zapped or I was zapped with with love and light and grace and that was incredible so then it was like so what is this light I wanted to understand what this light was and people in AA different people were telling me what this light was and the born-again Christian said that's Jesus that's Jesus and I'm like, nah, I don't know here I don't know maybe maybe Jesus so I did in early recovery, tried out the Christianity trip, um, but I just didn't buy organized religion in any form. I wanted nothing to do with it. And so my life led me to, to walk what people call the red road. And I was walking that road in deep devotion you know, for most of my adult life until I found again the Course in Miracles. Um, but that path, the Red Road, took me to the path of the Sundance and such transcendent experiences when I was Sundancing. But I could never sustain it because I... I I believed in my mind, like I thought there was a way out with the 12 steps because AA was founded by white men. And I said, well, yeah, you guys are sick and you, you guys can't have resentments, but surely I can. So I harbored grievance and then, and I, I, I didn't really deal with all my resentments, all my grievance. And so I could never, never sustained whatever I had accomplished through the Sundance. I would crash, like I would come back from Sundance and just crash 
and go, what the fuck is this like, you know? So when the Course in Miracles was saying to me, it's all in my mind, I was going, no fucking way. I didn't create colonialism. I didn't create the Indian Act. I didn't create residential school. No fucking way. I'm not owning that shit. And I was like, when I first was exposed to your ministry, I was just, oh, rage. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't hide it. I couldn't suppress it. It was just coming out and out. And I was going, what is happening to me? I had such murderous thoughts. I wanted to kill. I wanted to come into community. But I thought, I can't. I will rip those white ladies to fucking shreds. I don't trust myself. <laughs> how, much, how much I hate. I just, you know, I was invited in. Judah said, why don't you come in? And I said, I'm too sick. Like, no friggin' way. Like, for your own protection. The men, I wouldn't, I would have been okay with the men, but the women, I just would have chewed up the bits. So, but then there was this, in the Course of Miracles, you know, like, very Christian language. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's like, holy fuck, here we go again, the Trinity. Like, I don't like this shit. And it would just piss me right off. Sometimes I'd say, okay, Jesus of the Course of Miracles. Jesus of the Course of Miracles got nothing to do with what people did in his name. But I've had so many experiences in my life where Jesus has come to me. I've seen him. He's been in my living room. He's, he's been in my bathroom when I'm having a bath. You know, it's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, get away from me. Like, <laughs> get the fuck away from me was my whole attitude but then I'd feel guilty how dare you say get the fuck away from Jesus like what is wrong with you <laughs> so finally it just happened like it happened I wanted to come come and be in community I want I was ready I wanted to live be in Mexico I wanted to go to Utah I wanted to experience that and then what the fuck, COVID happens and we're all locked down in Canada and the borders are shut. And, 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 and that was so beautiful because I couldn't, I couldn't run away anymore. I couldn't run away and not face my grievance. And, and then it was like, okay, dude, Jesus, like, I don't know why you're around me. Like, why, why are you in my mind? Why am I seeing you all the time? Why are you talking to me all the time? Why can I hear you? Like, what is going on here? And then I went, well, wow, you're not very open-minded. You're open to everybody else, but not Jesus. Like, what's, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, just open up your mind, you know? And so, so I went, okay, Jesus, I don't get this. And who I see in my head isn't the historical Jesus pictures that you see in churches. It's a different being. He has a very elongated face, and but it's him. I know it's I know it's this being, Jesus. And so I just I just quit fighting him. And he has taken charge of my life. He's taken charge of every aspect of my life. I am not in control anymore. He even takes charge of my computer. He does shit on my computer. Like it's like wow look at what you're doing here and he has brought me to mighty companions who it's exactly what i need right now like i 
I didn't see the movie Alice or I, Alice in Wonderland. I didn't read that book. But my sense about going down the rabbit hole is when I join with Mighty Companions now, it's like, let's not run away from this dirt shit that's inside me. With Jesus, with the light, let's take a look at what's there. And I, it's, it's not really pleasant, but it's so fast with Jesus. And I hold his hand and he shows me, he shows me I really fucking like resentment. Oh man, it's like a pig pen, man. I love it. I love, I love being self-righteous. I love hating people. I love not me, who I really am as a light being, but this person that became Barbara, you know? And, and, and so he's healing my mind. No mighty companion is healing my mind. Living miracles, you're not healing my mind. He is, or that, whatever that is. I don't know what the heck it is, and I, I don't have to... I don't have to understand it. I just have to go with it, go with the flow and just go with it. But yeah, he's, he's got me and I couldn't fuck this thing up no matter how I tried. He's got me. So he's got me and I'm learning to trust him. And he does not judge me at all. Even when I say, Hey dude, get the fuck out of my bathroom. Like I'm having a bath. Like he, like it's like I he's just showing me what love really is, and and uh, so who would have thought? Like I would never be where I am today had I come to Mexico and lived in community. I, where I was at, I would have been scrapping with everybody, and you know, <laughs> so so it's so perfect in being in isolation, really being locked down here it's just like such a tremendous gift but I've always been curious about this missed experience that I've had since I became open to Jesus I've had this experience where the mist has come in and the whole room is enveloped in mist and it's like what is this and the mist has been with me all my life and it always felt like such a blessing. Like it felt like it's a, it was a doorway into something so beautiful. Even though people told me, don't you dare go there. You're going to regret it. It always felt so beautiful. But since now, I'm really looking at my doo-doo and asking Jesus to heal my mind. More, there's more and more light. So most of my day, it's like I'm, I'm above the shit storm of the world and I'm just, but there are some times I'll wake up in the middle of the night and there's a grievance and I'll wake up in the morning and I'll go, I don't fucking want to do spirit. I don't want to join. I, you know, and so for the day I'll be enjoying the pig pen. And I've noticed that on those days, those are the days when I see the mist again and it's not so light anymore. So I was asking you, like, am I, am I seeing it right? Like as I face all the denials of my own divinity, 
and I ask Jesus to heal my mind and I'm uh, like eventually it'll all be light right and it won't be missed anymore is that correct yeah thank you for that question Barbara because I'll talk a little bit about the mist today for all of us so we're all a little more aware of the mists uh, Jesus talks about this in the Course where he basically is it's a very profound passage I even posted it recently on Facebook where he's talking about a, a whole world that you perceive he said arises from these cloud patterns and these mists and that it's like mountains that can even go up past the clouds and past the mist are there and, and as you're journeying um, when you're looking at the mist you know you this is the part that's that human beings are not aware of but you are uh, you might say that the human race just perceives the gross perceptual world what seems to be the world of images of this world oceans and and stars and mountains and people and so forth but but there's a, a thought system a belief system that's underneath the gross perceptual world and it's where the mists are so everything from like colonialism to the all the things that you perceived you know the, we'll just call them the tragedies of the world most of us could just agree with that kind of a, a label they seem to be tragedies just perpetually throughout history that's the projected world that's coming from the mist and and I had a woman who's a singer from Australia that just wrote to me and and her son was just saying to her recently like what do you believe mom like what what do you what is your spirituality because he's done some drugs and he's actually looking at the world and the news and just going I don't know what to make of it you know like this isn't good this is not good and and so she wrote me the whole letter on on Facebook Messenger that she sent to him she said I'm going to send it to you David because of the course and you and Ken Wabnick are helping are kind of helping guide me but she kind of in her own words put out about yeah this is this world is messed up son uh, and I used to tell you when I was younger that I was fearless when I was younger I was fearless it's not the truth I wasn't fearless I was in hurt and pain and I'm only now as an adult beginning to face the, the how messed up my mind was and how messed up the world is and so when you're talking it's reminding me of these mists uh, these are the, the this is the unconscious mind this is the the dream that you dream in secret and that's why Jesus calls it the dream that you dream in secret because it's out of awareness and, and the human race isn't aware you never hear the mist the, the mist don't get any headlines you know uh, the, the CNN live we, you know we are now seeing the projections of the mist today and it looks like uh, burning down buildings and riots breaking out across the country of the United States and everything they never include the mist part because it's unconscious but you're I think Jesus is just showing you the mist because when he talks about these cloud patterns and mist in the course he says that the whole world you perceive arises from these mists and the mists are so thin that 
if you dropped a button, it couldn't even stop the fall of a button. There's no, he's talking about them as myths because there's, there's no solidity to them. But the projected world that the human beings perceive through the five senses seems very solid indeed. Um, you know, when people read something like, I am not a body, I am not, I am free, I am still as God created me, sometimes they'll just take their hands and they'll just go, yes, well, okay, I'm going to try to trust this, but it seems pretty solid to me. Uh, the world through the five senses seems extremely solid. Uh, but very large too, very large and solid. So, I think that now that you've started to see that there's a light under the mist, that's another huge metaphor for the mind, that there is this, this brilliant light that's behind the veil. And the veil are these cloud patterns, belief patterns and thought patterns that produce the projected world. So, you're getting kind of to use that metaphor of the projector, you're getting back to the projector room uh, because those mists are those shadows of the film and then you're actually aware that there is a light now. You've made contact with that light. And so the mists are just symbolic and, and just like for you Jesus can appear, appear, appear. Um, these mists, I think, that have been with you all your life and just kind of filling up a room is, is the, the light has been using that metaphor to say, keep coming. It, it can look a little murky, it can look like it's not clear, uh, but you have made contact with the light and, and now it's also good that it's the light because you don't have to put necessarily names to it or try to figure out the symbols. Uh, symbols are just representations. They're just there as a way for the light to relate to us uh, in, in a way that we can behold and perceive. So thank you for bringing that up. I mean it was such a beautiful expression and really your question about the mist is really what, what is not seen by human beings. But it's truly underneath. Everything that is perceived is rising from those mists. And none of us were really raised to talk about our feelings, our, our thoughts, our beliefs. You know, none of my dinnertime conversations with my parents and my sister had to do with these thoughts and beliefs and feelings. And then even at church, when I would go to church, uh, I would sit there like you and I would listen to the sermons and I, I, wasn't, I was pretty bored and I, I was like, that, that's not right, that doesn't feel right. Same thing, I was going through the very same things and yet even during summer Bible school when we had all this extra time, nobody was talking about perceptions and thoughts and, and beliefs and consciousness and what's going on in the mind, you know. Maybe over when Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda grew up, they were talking at, at that community about perceptions and beliefs because of those deep traditions in India, but not in my uh, United Church of Christ uh, denomination uh, or during Bible school. We just weren't, we, we, they, teachers would barely touch on those topics. And so it's, it's probably why I was a bit bored. I, I, I didn't see how relevant that was to my experiences. But now I think you not only see the relevance of, 
of the symbols that you're seeing, but you have, like Kenneth, you have the faith. You have great faith because you, there's some very strong passion to heal. Regardless of what seems to be Barbara or what seems to be the construct of these very intense emotions, these attack thoughts, you're onto it now. You're onto the mist and you're onto the light. And, and you're in the tractor beam with, with the Christ light now. So thank you for, for sharing it and articulating. I love how transparent you always are because that's beautiful. We're, this is a digital community, really. You know, forget about Utah and Mexico. This is truly a, a community of the mind, and your transparency and Kenneth's are, uh, if you were, we had poster children, you are like our poster <laughs> children for no people pleasing and no, no private thoughts. You, you are like right out there in front. You're on the poster. <laughs> so thank you. My heart goes out and thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barbara. And Francis, you've been, you see something there? Have you zoomed in on, on something from <laughs> another? Yeah. I'm a, I just love those, those miracles and testimonies because it's really just, that's really what we're living for. You know, we have our vision beholds either problems and um, judgments and attacks in the world as we call upon based on that, or these amazing miracles that transcend, that just feels like it's world apart, it's not that. And, you know, just be able to behold that, to share it, it's just such a, it's a gift. So, yeah, thank you so much, Barbara. And I was also, like, um, mentioning Emily. <laughs> I was reading your prayer this morning, and that really stood out for me because it is one of those prayers that feels so miraculous and heart, heartfelt. It, it actually is a, a, mirac a miracle as well as a prayer because it, it cuts, through <laughs> cuts through all this uh, misery and victimhood. So I want to read that for everybody. <laughs> this is Emily's um, prayer. It is the first time I attend one of your retreats, and I'm very happy to join this wonderful weekend. I feel very inspired by your teachings, the sharings, and beautiful movie, and already found so many answers. Although it's the last day of the retreat, I would, like, I would still like to share my prayer just as a way of reaching out and strengthening my intention. My prayer is to keep committed to a process of inner healing I'm experiencing. I'm diagnosed with a form of cancer and confronted with a very insecure future. And we all really break it. Although my ego thinks is one of the worst case scenarios, and I'm of course both guilty of being sick and a victim, I feel that in a way it's the best thing that happened to me. My view of what life and death really are has, has changed completely and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I discovered life and love where I least expected it. I wish to let go of my concerns about death and be able to stay connected to inner joy. Most of all, I wish to honor my desire to deeply connect with others on our journey, on our holy journey. I pray for the courage of trusting in Jesus 
so I can let go of my doubts and fear that I will forget again. I pray for the deeper understanding that I'm spirit, and not body or form. Thank you very much for the inspiring weekend. With love, Emily. Ah,、oh. so precious, so precious. Yeah, you're just. This is like your prayer is such a, an opening, for everyone on the retreat, because.、Um, It seems like when the, there seems to be something like a diagnosis, it, it's just—it's almost like bringing something for us to look at closer,、uh, much more closer in our mind. And it sounds like you're—you've been using this to just to propel your inner journey,、uh, because everything that seems to be in the world it can be taken one of two ways:、uh, the ego will try to take whatever it is and and. Run with it to promote its、uh, belief system, and then the Sp- Holy Spirit is is right there to take whatever seems to be presented, and then to go much deeper. And it's interesting that you would bring this up too, because I I've really been aware Jesus has really been focusing with me on this idea that that it seems like as an ultimate kind of. Fear outcome with the belief system of being a body that that that's like the ego's ace card is the death card,、uh, and or the sickness card and and then as I say the, to the ego the worst form of sickness is death but it it's holding that out and and saying you know this proves there is no God this proves there is no love this proves That there is no continuity.、Uh, it's always using the symptoms and the the death card as this source of fear,、uh, really to keep the mind bound to the ego. And what Jesus has been saying to me recently is, is those that seem to believe they're in this world, they don't really see how strongly they call to death.、Uh, at some point. He's talking about this world and those of this world as as death worshippers,、uh, and yet we all he'll come back to saying there's like a huge fear of death that's generated, and he's saying it's not so. It's it's the fear of knowing who you are. It's the fear of the light. It's the fear of redemption. He calls it. It's the fear of salvation that the ego has really masqueraded and covered over. To with this entire projection、uh, that seems to say that the body is what's real, the mind isn't. The ego says there is no such thing as a mind. You got a brain. <laughs> Everything's connected to the body now. Rewire the brain and do the, exercise the body and find the cancer cells and and all the treatments. At with white blood cells and all the things that the whole medical model everything. Is part of an intricate defense that says the body is real, the body is your home, and oh, isn't it just too bad that it will get sick and die? The, get, the ego gets its violin out. Oh, too bad. You're frail. You're weak. You're vulnerable. You're not empowered. 
And the ego doesn't teach us that there is a God except to make up a fake God, a punishing God, or something that fits in with its whole scheme, you know. That somehow you've done terrible things and you'll be punished. So it's part of a quite an elaborate scheme to maintain guilt and to main, for the ego to maintain itself. And your transparency and your prayer is like, I am not going to buy this. I don't care how pervasive, I don't care how, how far-reaching is the evidence for the lie, I, I am not going to use what I'm experiencing as, as a justification for the lie. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to heal, like, like I can do with anything that seems to arise. So, it's so beautiful that this is your prayer, and I, I actually was sharing, I just read it this morning, I was on another call this morning, and, it, and some, I was talking, and my friend was going through some, some body symptoms and some pains, and I, I shared a glimpse of this, and she just, her eyes just got real big, full of hope, almost like, whoa, see it, see it correctly, see it differently, and let your heart, already, what you've shared has been used already in one conversation with me where, where their eyes got real big because that was just what they needed to hear to, to see, oh yeah, I need to see it all right. And I also shared that I, I'm, over the years I was fond of doing these six-week um, retreats in Mallorca where we, I get a bunch of friends to come together, we rent a villa or a couple villas on the island of Mallorca and I would show up the first week or so, they would say, okay, you, you're in the kitchen and you'll do this and that. What? I'm in the kitchen, I can't cook. Just trust. <laughs> Holy Spirit's got it. You, you, you'll do this, you're going to watch the yard. And then they'd get together and then I would just be there meditating by the pool and then I got to show movies, metaphysical movies, every single night for six weeks of just me sharing all my joy, letting the Holy Spirit come through with all the insights, all the interpretation, all the commentary and everything. And we had one, I think it was the last one we did, where we were over in Mallorca. It was actually a, a woman who had met me in Ireland who said she had three houses on the same grounds and why don't I, can I, I've been asking Jesus, I've been saying, I give you my property to use for your purposes and five years you don't use my property. So I said, well, okay, we'll do it now then. And she said, so I went down and we did a six-week <laughs> six uh, retreat there with, on her property. And there was a woman that came there that she opened up her, shared in her heart that she had been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, that was the first like six-week retreat where somebody, one of the participants said, I've I've been diagnosed with cancer. That was at the beginning, and then with us and all of our movies and everything that happened in those, uh, those six weeks, she left there in remission. She, she went home and, and got tested again, and she said, the cancer's gone. Uh, and I thought, well, yeah, I, I don't think that belief can stand uh, six weeks of light just of giving yourself over to the joy and the freedom and the happiness, you know, because everything 
is a decision in mind. And, and I like the idea, too, that, that we have the gift of vision. We can give that away. It's a decision. And in eternity, there are no decisions, because in oneness, there's nothing to decide between. But in time, the spirit can use what the ego made. The ego made up this thing called decision. Uh, it's unknown in heaven. But since the ego made it, the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus, whew, they take the concept and they say, now let's use it to teach you, through teaching and learning, that you can decide your state of mind. You can, heaven takes the form of a decision because you believe in decision now, so we're going to use this power of decision for heaven, to reach heaven. Even though it's, it's unknown in heaven, we're going to use what the ego made to take you back. So, yeah. I feel like that's what this is all about. This, these online retreats are here to, for us to be shown the power of decision in our own mind. It's like a reverberation or a slight reflection of creation in heaven. And now that we've got this to deal with, then let's really use it. Let's really let the Holy Spirit use it to take us into happiness. Yeah, and I just also, I have the privilege to read all of your questions and prayers together, and I see, I just see the interconnectedness of everything, you know. And even sometimes yourself, when you read it out, you answer it at the end of the email, and sometimes the theme come up, sometimes one person's question is answered by another. It's just amazing that it just shows me that the answer and the miracles are already given. And our function is to, to give so that we know we have it. It's like, Emily, what you're doing here, without probably thinking or knowing it, your attitude is the gift. Your attitude is, is, is what you're teaching and is what is the miracle. And I really feel that is the answer to quite a few questions around even our function here. Because Andy, Andy Page at the beginning um, of the, our pile of questions here, he actually asked, my question is around function and getting clear on it. How do you know what your true function is and if you are fulfilling it? Hi, Andy. Should I be looking for it, or will it be made obvious when I feel peaceful? And when something feels inspiring, but when you move towards it and you're unable to do it, is that personal inspiration or a form of resistance? But I, and also there are quite a few questions about the movie last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, because the guy was in such a miraculous state of mind, and the way that he when he was in that state of mind, the, the, the behaviors or the... There's a lot of questions around that, but I somehow, when I read Emily's prayer, I thought this is our function. Honestly, this is... That function is so far be, beyond what we can zoom down to a particular form. Because I, when I read your question, Andy, it's more about do I know what I'm doing is fulfilling the function Jesus gives to me. Or am I wasting my time of how do I know I'm not, you know, I'm on the right track? But when I read Emily's prayer, I thought this attitude, you know, this attitude of saying, 
this love is where I can tap into, and I am going to tap into it now, regardless of the situation. And I'm going to carry that attitude to meet sickness, meet whatever situation. That is truly the function. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Andy, it's so beautiful that you you brought that up too, because I can see when I when I read through Emily's prayer, it's really a, a prayer for for healing and wholeness. Uh, when I read through your questions, your your question is is about my function, whether we call that forgiveness or awakening or atonement or whatever. Um, it's really the same as Emily's prayer. It's a prayer for, for healing. I'm thinking of one line in the Course where Jesus says, to heal is to make happy. Mm. Wow! To heal is to make happy. There's another, there's a workbook lesson where Jesus says, my happiness and my function are one. So if you just take the word function completely out, like let Jesus get the scissors out and he's going to come to your mind, it's like, okay, I'm going to remove I'm going to remove a word from your mind now. It's, it's function. You're spinning a little bit with, with these words. So I'm going, to, I'm going to take it out, I'm going to do a little dissection, and I'm going to surgically remove function from your mind. So that you, as if you've never heard that word before. And here I'm going to put happiness in there. Because if my happiness and my function are one, he should be able to easily put happiness wherever function was showing up in the mind. He's going to put happiness. Because I have, you know, like so many, uh, you know, Kenneth was talking, and, and Francis, and Greg, and myself, and so forth, and you know how we, we really are into the miracle as a collaboration, and, and like you're part of coming to the community. Oh, you had you just witnessed to all of us such dedication, such devotion, such presence with allowing the Spirit to channel through Andy and what Andy's, Andy's skills and abilities and come through in what we typically in the community call functions, collaborative functions, functions and joining and connecting, just giving our heart to it that way. And, and then some really big mystical experiences come where you start to to go into an experience that that is is very happy, very vast, very profound, way beyond uh, whatever that word function <laughs> used to mean or used to believe. You know, it's almost like you 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 can feel the happy, like whoa whoa happy, wow that is happy happy happy, and and then. The ego is like, ah, not so fast, don't think you're getting <laughs> too happy too fast and you're, you're getting out of my clutches. I've had you for a millennium in my clutches. Oh, my pretty, don't think that you can just go and get so happy so fast. Uh, you know, it's like, it's quite concerned. And then this is where you start to see some of these old ideas of function start to come back, and then the, the mind starts to question and say, uh, what about my function now? Jesus is like, happy is your function now. <laughs> what, you know, if you're asking the question, then somehow the ego is trying to come in with the mists that Barbara talked about and cover, cover over that light and cover over that happiness and that expansiveness with the mists, 
un this unconscious mist. So I remember I would I had calls when I would be in Utah. I'd call down, and Lisa sometimes Lisa would just go into her room and she'd be watching like videos and dancing around the room and and getting happier and happier and happier and so happy that she was just in her room and just like the whole universe was she was experiencing the happiness of the whole universe and then she would get this doubt thought about oh am i in function you know and and then as soon as she'd wonder if she was in function she'd start to be worried about how happy she was and she'd think the police would show up she would actually call me up and she say i think the police are going to show up and i'd say why and she said cuz i'm i'm actually getting so happy and i think it's it's illegal uh <laughs> i'm getting illegally happy uh you know and i'm i'm sure the police are going to come or something or i'm sure i'm going to get kicked out of the community or i'm sure something's going to happen that's going to be disastrous because why because you're so happy so it would take me to say uh when she would say okay what what should i do and i i would just say your joy is everything your joy is everything and then she would start to it's almost like oh, I'm going to talk to David and he's going to tell me all the things I'm not doing and everything and then I would after she'd tell her whole story about fear of the police and he'd say no your joy is everything your happiness is everything your happiness is for the whole universe there's no world apart from your mind so if you're joyful and you're happy that must mean that's your gift to the whole universe because there is no universe apart from you and that's why Jesus says salvation of the world depends on me that's why Jesus says you know you are what the world has been waiting for you the kingdom of heaven is within you the word within is absolutely unnecessary the kingdom of heaven is you so that's it you know it's it's just allow yourself to feel that happiness and that love and and let that be a focal point because when this function idea come in the ego is trying to hijack it you know the ego is trying to hijack that word it's trying to read misty meanings um into that somehow and then it will put it back into striving and and somehow like i've got to work out my salvation by doing the right things you see how sneaky it is it's like once it gets its toenail in the door then it's going to try to use the old guilt trip am i doing the right things am i doing enough and jesus is just there happy i all i want for you is happy all i want for you and then that's why we do these gatherings because the ego will try to even invent its own pathway to happiness it's really a sneaky little puff of nothingness because it it has to keep trying to keep the mind's allegiance so it tries to invent its own outcomes if i do this i'll be happy if i do enough of that you know if i i have to do the right happy things um you know you see how sneaky it is it's always trying to get the mind caught up in the projection instead of the 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 simple graceful presence that's here so we love you andy and you're right with us you're right here with us 
so close, closer than the air that we breathe. You're here. You're here. Okay. I love the angles, all the different angles mm. of the same, same thing. Yeah. Well, do we have any more questions, or shall we open it up and, yeah, and go live? Let's go live. We want to hear <laughs> what's on your heart. <laughs> and thank you, Katerina, yesterday. What a precious expression. So loving, so transparent. <laughs> we're just, we're all tickled <laughs> by these uh, beautiful expressions, because they're so... I could see your face, even though I'm, I was giving my talk yesterday for two and a half hours, I could see the little, and I saw arms going up, I, I said, whoa, I, every time I look up there's like a cheerleader in there, uh, and then, then boom, there you are, you come up on the big screen, and oh, that was Katerina cheering, cheering on the, uh, the whole talk on open-mindedness. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> So why don't we, Eric, when we open it up, if people have expressions, maybe expressions about the movie. Uh, I know Richard, you had asked a question, and Stephanie, you had asked some questions about the ending of the movie. And then I know a lot of you, that was a beautifully uh, given movie. I also want to give a beautiful shout out to Kristen Lorraine, who, who emailed us a movie uh, when I kept saying over and over, God help us, God help us. You, you emailed me, although my phone was off when we were in our prayer meeting, so it didn't, it didn't get to me till the, yesterday afternoon uh, after the movie was on. But thank you. Your movie suggests, maybe we can use it on a Wednesday uh, for Lucy. Uh, because, yeah, Lucy, yeah, we're all, we're all like... Yeah, yeah, Kristen, yeah. <laughs> we get it like three hours later. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a Lucy. good one. <laughs> that, that's the answer, Lucy. But, but, uh, but we, Kenneth really felt, we all felt, that that's just the one that dropped in at the time. So now we know some of you have, have really enjoyed that movie. There was a lot of emotions that, it came up around uh, Jeff Bridges and, mm. and that movie. So thank you, Kristen, though, for that uh, suggestion, because that we've, we felt it. We all felt your prayer. So let's open it up and see what, uh, what we've got here today, Eric. Okay. <laughs> I'll go to uh, Richard first. Go ahead, Richard. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, David. Hey, Francis. Hi, Richard. Um, yeah, I had, a, <laughs> I had a question about the movie was, the ending was really interesting for me um, yesterday. And, and, and it made me think about looking at my life um, and kind of how I'm going along now. I'm, I can definitely see that um, anger comes up less. Um, it's like a smoother ride these days. Uh, but I still, I kind of look back at my life and there's certain kind of peaks of like where I've just felt blasted open. And I feel like I'm kind of missing that a little bit. And that was, the movie kind of showed me that because he's, you know, throughout the movie, he's in this kind of mystical space. And it's like he's at peace. 
And then at the end, he can and 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 he's not people pleasing. And you can see other characters are are, are he's not jiving with, or they're upset with him. And uh, and then he comes back at the end, and he and the strawberry where it didn't touch him, so now it does touch him. It, it seems to get him, and then hit, and he's calling for his wife to save him. There seemed to me there was this sort of shift that I'm trying to understand, like he. He's sort of having this, in a way, he's leaving the world or, and he's in this mystical place for a lot of the movie and then he seems to come back in a way. And, but, but at the same time has this further cracking open, like when he's lying on the floor with his wife and he's just laughing and he's just having this huge, you know, just his heart splitting open. Um, and I guess I kind of feel like I'm missing that. And uh, so I'm just wondering if you can you can talk a little bit about about that. Yeah, yeah. Your question it kind of dovetails a little bit with um, what Stephanie wrote, and then there was another one. I'm not sure if it was um, Jeanette. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Jeanette too, because Jeanette was was actually watching the movie and and relating a little bit more with with the wife. Mm. Uh, and when he came back and was in that that state, and then um, and the, and her asking questions like her desire to to ask what's going on, you know, like please tell me that that you would have in an intimate relationship where it's like please, you you know things are not the same with you, and I want to know what's what's going on. Almost like she was saying, what are you? How are you perceiving or looking at the world? Because also, there was a threat uh, to, in the self-concept. Like, you know, you're spending more time with this other boy than you are with your own son. Uh, and then, you know, when he came out and just no private thoughts, no people pre pleasing, you know, he, he meets the woman that he is so drawn to. He said, I've, I've felt a love for her like I've never felt before. Uh, that's not the best thing to, through the wife lens. Uh, to hear, you know, you you like to hear that said to you, <laughs> if you're the wife, you know, I feel a love for you like I've never felt before, but when it's spoken to about another woman, then something starts to teeter in there, and maybe you can talk about that too, Francis, it's like that we always are, are experiencing that, that this world is it's just an opportunity, a device to help us undo and unlearn the roles and the egoic identity that Barbara was talking about. You know, she feels like there's Barbara and there's, there's hate, hatred in there. And like you were just sharing, maybe now for the Richard character and your experiences in mind, it's like smoother, less anger, uh, seems to be a, what seems to be like a progress, like a like a softening, maybe a, more of a gentleness coming in, and and more of a trust, a growing trust that's coming with spirit, and then it's just the question is about that interpretation. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, it's it's a great it's a great uh, movie to to, you know, for the open mindedness because. In terms of the form, when we were talking about a journey to mysticism or to this divine presence, you know, and we use the, the symbols of the world or have Jesus or spirit use the symbol for us, then 
we see the the form shift and change so much without us being able to really understand what it really means from our frame of mind. So the way is, for, for me, even in my journey, I, I feel it's interesting because when I was at the beginning of the journey, um, there was a removal of myself from my traditional mother-daughter role with my mom because, you know, with, I moved over and I started to, to divide, uh, devote myself completely to this, thing, this way of living, then my mom would think from the perspective that's not, that's not uh, the, the daughter that really loves her because it's not going toward the path that the mother wants. But gradually there is such an undoing, and I actually want to share this uh, experience I just had with her maybe a month ago, when she texted me a lot about, why don't you reply, are you okay? South America is now the center of pandemic now. Right back to me, right back to me. Tell me you're okay. Tell me. So I was thinking, oh, wow, I just have a lot of seeming demand. And I, there was a feeling of wanting to connect. But how? So I, I just thought I would call her, but I'm, I, want, I want an experience that feels so meaningful. And I prayed. So... When we started the call, she was asking me that questions about coronavirus and how is it going. And I said, look, I, I really have a sincere question I want to ask you. And that got her attention. She's like, okay, what is it? So I said, mom, you have such a life experience. You know, you're born right before the Second World War. You've gone through cultural revolution, great famine. Now you have coronavirus. I want to know the one piece of wisdom that you can give me um, of the kind of attitude that you would like to have if you, if you were to go through this, this changeable world. And, and, and she was like, she, it was really hard for her. We, we couldn't put it out for the longest time. She was like, okay, I will not marry this guy. I was like, no, 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 not that kind of advice. Uh, I would leave China earlier. No, not that kind of advice. Everything has to stay the exact same way, but is there an attitude that you would change? And after a while, it was like not hitting anything, but very end, she's like, why don't you tell me? I said, I can't tell you what advice you would give me, right? <laughs> But maybe something like you wouldn't take things too seriously. She's like, yeah, I wouldn't. I said, no, it has to come from you. Be specific. Then finally she said this. She said, okay, I have this one piece of advice. Only focus on other people's shining spot because that's the only thing that makes you happy. I was like, what? You mean you can choose what you perceive? You mean vision is the gift? You mean that is what you learned? That you actually can choose to be happy if you focus only on the shining spot of others? But I know in that moment, she didn't even know that existed in her. But through our joining, it was such a gift because I feel she was buzzing on the other end of the phone when that realization came to be verbalized when she realized this wealth of wisdom that existed in her. 
and when I could meet that, and I, and we were both like in this depth of joining that was really not father and da- uh, mother and daughter. And inside of me, I was bowing to her as if she was my guru. And I was like, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for teaching me that vision is my gift. And she's like, oh, I have no wisdom. I said, no, you have. (laughs) But then (laughs) after that, I was like, you know, talking about this mother-daughter relationship is not taught by this world. When we grew up, this relationship that we, we, we knew as taught by this world was nothing satisfying for us. And we couldn't seem to shake that. We couldn't, you know, it was still... But then once we, once we are letting the spirit to show us how to relate, suddenly it's a healing for her, but also for me, because I com- completely shift who she is in my mind. I really experience vision is my gift. If I hold her to be, I have a choice. How I see her, I have a choice. But that is the fruit of this inner journey. So, so in that way, <laughs> how is the symbol leaving, not leaving? It's a, it's a, it's a question around, you know, earlier. How, what is our function, and what is what is our priority, and just let the spirit use the symbols. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. Because, Richard, your, your question is very much like Gertie's question she wrote in, too. Because it, it, your question, I sense, is about the mirroring. Like, when you are going through this journey, and you're going through this healing, and then you still have some people, a couple people will say, that are saying, you know, to me, you're distant. You know, you're just distant. You know, they're not saying, you know, you're wise and they're not calling you, you know, like, like a wise Richard or something. They're saying you're distant. And, and then your question really is about the mirroring, just like about the movie, like, you know, okay, our main character, Jeff Bridges' character is he's kind of mystical, mystical state, mystical state, and then he comes back and he's in there with his wife and he says, what? What did the character say? Can you save me? You know, and you're like watching the movie going, what, what are you asking her <laughs> to save you for at this point? You know, it's like, come on, you're, you're, you've been in a mystical state, you're like the plane's going down and you're, you know, you're just ha- calm as can be and now you're asking your wife, uh, can you save me? And then the thing with the strawberry, and, and then it wasn't, you pointed out, I think, when, until she looked at him, until she reacted, he, was, he was, didn't have any reaction to the strawberry until she looked at him with concern, with wifely concern, with maybe I could lose, my, lose the fear of losing my husband concern, with fear, uh, did he seem to mirror that. And Gertie is asking the same question, because she's saying, David, you know, you talk about this mirroring, 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 and then sometimes you say, it's not a mirroring. So she was like saying, what's that? So I'll give you a line from Jesus in the Course. Your brother is the mirror in which you see the reflection of yourself, as long as the perception lasts. Oh, catch that last part. Catch that last part. 
Your brother is the mirror in which you see the reflection of yourself, comma, <laughs> as long as the perception lasts. In other words, if, if you have an interpretation of your distant, Richard, you're distant, you see, then that's, that's where the, the concern, that's where the question arises out of the interpretation of Richard, you seem distant. Because then there's a part of your mind that's going, I want to seem loving and I want to seem Christ-like, you know. And well, they told Jesus a lot of things too, you know. <laughs> you know they, they, there seemed to be a lot of reflections <laughs> 2,000 years ago. And some of them were like, called crucify him. That, <laughs> the distant thing is quite like crucify Richard, you know, crucify him. It was, but the point of it is, is the integration is, that's what our whole topic is about open-mindedness. Open-mindedness is simply the state of non-judgment. Open-mindedness open is, is a state of acceptance. So, whatever the reflections seem to be in the movie or your couple friends or people saying those things, the only way we perceive those with a state of a question mark or the state of what does that mean is coming from our own lack of self-acceptance. In other words, the atonement is simply accepting ourselves as we are created as the Christ. That's, there's the, there's the Christ vision that we can give that when, before Francis like gets all these messages, how are you, how are you, the pandemic, are you safe, are you, are you well, da, da, da. and then she goes into prayer, prayer of like, okay, this, this is a call to communicate, <laughs> and what is it that I want to communicate? What is the gift that I want to give to my, my brother, my sister, myself, my mother? It doesn't really matter, whatever the concepts are, it's just still that opportunity to like, oh, what is the gift? Or Ari asking the question about simultaneous versus the, the spaghetti noodle, you know, and then really it came down to from Ari's whole question and that whole lesson 158, it was all about, oh, I, I have a gift. I have a gift. I am a gift. <laughs> and I need to focus to use the word like your mother, but you said, what about focus? I need to focus on the gift, and I need to focus on the giving of the gift that I am. Because that strengthens it. That takes us out of this idea of, of interpersonal relationships, or teachers and students, or um, spiritual devotees. I mean, even the idea of spiritual devotees, or avatars, or whatever, it still doesn't quite hit the mark, if you consider that the mark is the light. The mark is the light. And as soon as we say, enlightened person, you know, this, there are, even when people say they're enlightened people, uh, you know, because the light, it's all about the light, and light and men is about experiencing the light. And that light really isn't, can't be attached to just a person here or there in history or in time and space, 
or to several, or to many. It, it, it's just, it's so vast, it's so beyond the veil that when we try to attach it, then we're still not reaching the last part of that sentence from Jesus. Your brother, your sister, is the mirror of the perception of yourself as long as the perception lasts. But if I have a gift, the vision gift, well that's the card I want to play. Because I want to use that with anything or anyone that I seem to think of or come in contact with. I want to reach into my heart and play that Christ vision card. You know, like if it's a card game, you know, and you've got, you're holding the ace, the ace of hearts. You're holding the ace of hearts and, you, and you're just waiting the card game like, here comes someone, okay, here they come. I'm going to play my Christ vision card. Because that's not the card the ego wants you to play. <laughs> in fact, the ego's saying, choose anything from your deck, <laughs> your deck of thoughts that I have in your mind. Play those cards. And then it turns into, you know, a discussion, an argument, agree, disagree, you know, it's back to the old human condition if I'm playing one of those ego cards. But not if I play my Christ vision card. <laughs> That's game over. <laughs> That's as long as the perception lasts and the ego's like, whoa, that card unifies perception. That card is the forgiveness card. That card is, you and I are the very same one. That card is, there are no opinions that can block the light of who we are together. You see, so I'm so glad you raised it. I'm so glad, Gertie, you wrote that in too, because that part about mirroring is just, is a, is a device to take us closer to merging with the light of, of who we are. It's, the mirroring is, is something that's helpful to us because it shows us our thoughts and and that's what we're here to do. We're here to teach and learn. We're here to purify our, our minds through the device of teaching and learning. Only the ego tries to think that teaching is words and behavior, you know, like our teacher concept when we're growing up. You know, Mrs. So-and-so is my fifth grade teacher. Jesus is like, well actually your mind is the classroom and you're teaching and learning based on every thought that you hold in that mind. Wow, that's, that's not the fifth grade. He's like, we're not in the fifth grade anymore. We're in, we're in the Christ classroom of the mind. And, and I'm telling you that, that the mirroring is only a device, temporary device, that, that Holy Spirit can use to take you to the big merge. <laughs> and once you're in the big merge, you know, somebody will come to you. If you're in the light and somebody comes mirroring, you're like, what's mirroring? You know, mirroring always implies something else. A mirror! <laughs> but there's no mirrors in the light, you know, it's just, it's just all love. So thank you. We're just, we're answering all the questions together here, through these beautiful expressions. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Okay, I'll go to Kristen next. Oh. Go ahead, Kristen. Hi. 
I thought you were going to get to me last, and maybe I wouldn't have wouldn't go to. <laughs> um, okay. So um, I feel like I'm in the midst from the movie of like this healing process, and part of it from. I feel like I woke up this morning and I had the image of. Um, I don't know if you remember the MTV logo where the little spaceman's like tethered, but like floating out in space. I kind of feel like yeah. that's the image of, of where I am at the moment. Um, the movie yesterday was really beautiful and I felt like I could feel um, a sense of all that you had spoken of, David, of being in this Christ vision and being in this oneness. And um, so it, it kind of that held all the way through until there was the moment as he was, I think it was as he was eating the strawberry, where he's flashing back through that, that very last moments on the plane ride. And he's um, remembering his partner reaching for him and remembering um, the, you know, the look in his partner's eyes that was so desperate, like, don't leave me. And he's just in this calm, clear vision going with his guidance to be with this boy. And that was the hook for me. That was the, the place of like feeling both my own, you know, desperation reaching, but also guilt, the guilt of feeling like, of leaving people behind and the sense of, um, confusion and so then the whole rest of the movie like when he is sort of dying and comes back I was already I was just I couldn't really understand like like um, Richard was saying like I don't understand what just happened like I was with it the whole way and um, so as I was going to sleep last night and and also thinking of what um, Greg and Kenneth were sharing and just feeling even what Barbara just shared of feeling the love, like the experience of love so profoundly that they were expressing and feeling like, I don't know that I've let that in. Like there's this fear of that love. And so I was asking as I was lying in bed before sleep, the Holy Spirit to, to help me understand, like help me heal whatever this is. Why am I so hooked by this? And, um, I was expecting and kind of asking for Jesus to come before me. And instead I got this experience like right up in my face of this, what I can only describe as a fallen angel, like almost like a gargoyle, um, which I don't have a, a Christian background. And so I don't, you know, the original sin stories is like just a literature to me. So it's not, but I could feel it as if it was me, like, like I was so identified with it. Um, like it was in the mind and it was so distorted and so um, intense. And um, all I could do was uh, ask to understand because I'd already felt the Holy Spirit with me. So I just, I wanted to feel what it was feeling. And the word that came was evil, which is also not a word that I've really ever used, but it was like, it was so deep and so intense. And I could feel that it was murderous. Like it was hatred. And 
um, then I had this fear thought, like, this is me, like, this is what I am. And the Holy Spirit, again, like, it was all changing very fast. And it became a cartoon, like, like the hatred was a cartoon character and the, the murderous person. And then the person on whom the hatred is enacted, it just all became a cartoon. And then something else, you know, lifted away. And then I was shown the final scene of the movie again in the mind. And as the partner was like reaching and as Jeff Bridges was moving away, I could feel that there, there's, there one, like nobody left anybody. Um, it was like everything became unified and it was, I, I can't even explain it, but it was like, there's no leaving and there's no even movement and there's nothing that's even happening. And it was, it was the guilt in the mind and this belief that, that's like so core of being this fallen angel or something. Um, and so I feel like I'm this, I'm this little like astronaut right now, kind of like floating out there. I, it's like, I still don't know the, what the love would, would be, but I also don't feel like like I'm that, like even looking in the mirror this morning, I didn't look the same. Like I don't see the same now. Cause something about that guilt, it was like, it, it was like you were saying about the mist. It was like seeing the cartoon, it just passed through. By just letting it, I don't know, just also what you said earlier, like um, looking upon the full extent of it, I feel like was a moment that occurred that it's like, I'm not, I'm not in the rabbit hole, but I'm also not so, um, I'm not so believing it. It's like, it's like the edges of the mind that the ego was holding. Those are like pixelating or something, you know, they're just. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That it's very descriptive, and I think it's probably a, a lot of of ones on on our online retreat will be able to really relate to the way you were able to articulate that. Because I don't think everyone else doesn't really know that you actually had written in a beautiful prayer where you had written in a couple dreams that you had, where the the characters in the dream were taken over by this song. Uh, this song became so strong that, that it took over their words and it took over their actions and it took over their functionality. And after a couple of those dreams where the song just literally took over the characters, um, then you know you started to look at the dreams and, and there was some uncomfortable feelings, some thoughts that came up. I think one of the thoughts that came up is, yeah, God breaks breaks people's lives apart or human lives apart. Uh, there it is. You know, the ego has ordered false perception in terms of these concepts and roles and it's defined everything. It, you know, it's defined our, 
our work, our, our time, our partnerships, it's defined our bodies, it's defined our diets. The ego has made a world out of fragments and it's put it together in its own way, which Jesus tells us is judgment. You know, that's all of the learning of the world is this learning, you know, the good things from the bad things and how to be a good person and how to have a good career and be a good partner and a good everything, a good man, a good woman. It's like thick, it's the mists are underneath all of that self-concept image. And then you watch the movie and it's almost like through the gargoyle that was getting you in touch with that feeling of wrongness or evil uh, and doubt and self-questioning self that's underneath the human identity. There's a lot of doubt uh, under the whole construct of being a body. And then when you felt that merge, like the merge between, as the hands were parting, that there was no real parting there. That, that that was, you were starting to glimpse like the borderland, the Course calls it the borderland. There's a borderland of thought between this world and the light. And that borderland is, is very strange uh, to the human mind, because it feels, you look in the mirror, you look differently, you look around, things don't look the way they looked the day before. It seems, seems a little strange, a little weird, a little unfamiliar, like you're in some kind of uncharted territory. And Jesus calls this the borderland. And he describes the borderland in the Course with amazing uh, words where he says, it seems like there are st decisions still to make. You see how it's a time thing, there's still decisions to make, and yet there's some kind of a feeling like they were already made. Uh, like there's some kind of awareness of, the, of something expansive where everything's connected. That's even beyond the decisions, you know, the daily, we'll call them interpersonal and personal decisions. You know, where am I going to go, what am I going to have to eat, what am I going to wear, you know. We're all very familiar with that, those little decisions, but then there's something bigger in our mind that's more relaxed. And the reason the borderland is more relaxed, it's, it's maybe even what Richard was starting to feel more of, is, is because the, it's, the, the charge is gone. The, the, the desire to try to make separate things and give them identities and names. Everything in this world is given a name. And then we have these estranged associations that we make, you know. Well, I'm in love with this person. Well, that's good, good. Yeah, you're supposed to be in love with one person. Better than two or three. Yipes, that's terrible. You know, just one. You know, okay, one piece, one piece, and the pieces love each other. And then, that's part of Fragmented perception, though, is the vastness starts to come and you start to see, whoa, whoa, I'm not that piece at all, and, and, and they're not that piece. It's all, we're all the same one. Then the, the fear of loss is gone. The grief disappears. The, the fear, uh, like Jeanette was bringing up, she, you know, Jeanette was saying she was, could really relate to the wife and asking the questions, and maybe, she said, maybe. Jeff Bridges' character, maybe he couldn't even answer, you know, because he was quiet a lot. He was not really answering a lot of questions. Uh, she was like 
questioning. But this state of mind goes beyond the questions and the answers. You know, it's, it's taking us, as Jesus would say, into an experience that transcends the fragmented world. And to the ego, that's very frightening. That's where the ego comes up with, oh yeah, God, he's the one that breaks up human lives. <laughs> it's like, in some sense, the Holy Spirit has to break apart of false associations because those little clingy associations aren't the whole, aren't the big picture. And so it's always upset when some of the parts start to get rearranged. But the prayer for healing is also the prayer of, show me the world differently. Rearrange my perception. The ego has already arranged it. Now, rearrange the perception so that it reflects the light. Give me a new way of looking at the world that I can feel that love and connection with, with it all. Not just with this one piece or that one piece. Not just affiliated with little, the little clingy associations, but, but the bigger one. And I think, you know, all of us in spiritual community and certainly what we've gone through, you know, Frances always says that as things in her, her dream world started to fall apart or disappear, that she never really got sunk by the feelings because, because the purpose, like there was a greater purpose there. Like it was almost like, oh yeah, there, there goes that, bye. You know, <laughs> there goes this thing. The things that most people would say are, are key pieces of the puzzle were just falling off like chunks of an iceberg. And then because of the devotion Francis was feeling, she would like watch the chunk <laughs> fall away, and there was no sense of reaching for that chunk of the iceberg, you know, it was like, it was just all part of the plan, part of the reordering. The, it's like saying to God, order my thoughts, like my thoughts are very chaotic and disordered because of the ego, but now I invite you into my mind to, Jesus says that, you can do this in the Course, let God order your thoughts instead of you trying to order your thoughts. You know, let God order your thoughts. What does that mean? Let, let me have the thoughts that I think with God. And let me let go of everything else that I'm not thinking with God. And then what comes from that is that there will be what Jesus calls reordered uh, perception. The, to the ego, perception is selective. So when we perceive through the ego's lens of preferences and judgments, I prefer this over that. I prefer this image, this, this appearance over that. And, and that's all part of fragmented perception where when we say, reorder my thoughts, we're really saying, reorder my perception of the entire cosmos and align me with the Holy Spirit and a new way of looking at the world. So, I just thank you for being so articulate with that because that's just the way you woke up this morning after that movie. <laughs> you know, that's, that's why we showed the movie. That's why I think this, the, that movie was given to us was, was just to, the mind to take it higher, you know, take it. And ultimately an open mind, you know, we, we won't, none of the scenes of the movie will seem the same because there's a feeling 
inside that, that the whole movie was pointing us toward. And that experience was what it was all for. It wasn't for even trying to dissect, you know, the scenes, which we're, we've all been pretty good at dissecting the scenes. What do you think? What did that scene mean to you? <laughs> even Kenneth here, I feel it. I feel the movie. Fearless. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. And then as I'm leaving the room, oh, there's the strawberry scene. <laughs> oh, by the way, I haven't shown that movie for the longest time. But I think people are going to bring up the, the strawberry scene. And Kenneth was ready for it. He was, he was right there. He was, the spirit was all over the strawberry scene. And still, it gives an opportunity for everyone who's experiencing the strawberry scene to, to use it. To let the spirit use it for healing. Yeah, so good. Thank you. This is like a testimony for how, how our questions is, is, not, is not as we know it and how the answers come in such a different way from a different realm to lift up. So in, in a way, you, you render the question irrelevant. That's, that's the kind of experience. And I feel like that's, the, that's really hit on the topic of open-mindedness because we have to see that the question we're asking will be answered with that kind of experience that you, you just described. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you gain an appreciation for it all, because I remember in The Matrix, when uh, Trinity and uh, Neo first meet at, the, at the, like the bar, and the sound is really loud, and they're all in there, and then she kind of comes around and she says, you're looking for him, but you're not really looking for him, you're looking for an answer. And then she whispers in his ear, it's the question that drives us. So it is the question, ultimately, of who am I, uh, that, that is driving the seeming search, you know, even though the one searching <laughs> is not real. But, but it does drive the search, and, and we, like Barbara was saying, all the experiences she went through, in, and, and she's just been like, okay, like Francis talked about at the beginning, looks like you found me, and I don't even know why you keep talking to me, uh, but apparently you're here for a reason, and, and there's a, there is a question underneath that's driving, but then there's an experience that, that ends the question, and uh, that's that's why we're here. <laughs> okay, well, I notice we're at the end of our regular time. Do you want to keep, we've got like, I think we've got like 10 questions, 20, 10 hands up still. So you can just let me know if you feel like I. Yeah, let's keep going. We're, we're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I see someone who's brand new, Shannon. And you can go ahead and unmute yourself, Shannon. Hi there. Um, Hi, Shannon. I was really wanting to um, ask for help to just everyone to join with. Um, I've been following the course in this community for about five years, but never actually connected with anyone. And I live in Saskatchewan in Canada, so I feel a little bit isolated around the course there. I just feel like, um, and to kind of just zone into the exact, is that 
um, I have this feeling in my throat and I feel like it's a metaphor for me of like my ego's last stand of um, like that's where all the attack thoughts and everything grievance is kind of stored here and my I've been like addicted to releasing emotions for quite a few years just needing to like take time and scream and I feel guidance that I'm supposed to change that that is that's been and I I'm opening to the belief that that feeling can fade without doing that and I feel like it's more about I really want my prayer to be like for it to go away but I I really want to look at those beliefs and be like I want to hand over the desires and beliefs that are leading to it and not just have that surface prayer and I feel like it's maybe that belief around sin and um, I could relate to Barbara because I'm really engaged with my whole circle of people around like have um, a lot of trauma around colonialism and um and in my family and and so i but i feel like i've been guided to these people but to do the course and not to get caught in all that and yeah i just feel like um i need help and that's that's all thank you mm. Thank you for sharing that, because, yeah, I think that's again for everyone, your first prayer is to kind of, here's what served me before, but I'm at a point where I, I have put the symbol of the, the expressing and the words and the screaming, I've put that, you know, as a, as a helpful device or a helpful symbol, but now it feels like I've, I'm outgrowing, like a child outgrows toys or as they go along, they just leave them behind, and you're like praying and saying, show me, show me the way from here. Uh, and I feel like you speaking up here after these five years is so beautiful, because that's really what the testimony is, is like, here, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm exposing, I'm connecting, I, I, I have want nothing to hide, I want to hide nothing. And then with the part about sin, I remember a few days ago I, I was looking at a part of the Course uh, where Jesus was basically saying, uh, you, you can make mistakes, he said, but you cannot sin. You know, it was like, whoa, Jesus was just in the Course, he was really cranking it up. You know, you can do this, you can do this, you can be mistaken, but you cannot sin. And, and which is so flipped from the background many of us were raised in, which was sin was like the baseline. You know, like you come together with a group of Christians and they say, you, somebody expresses, I've got a heavy heart, and they say, come, let's hold hands and pray the sinner's prayer. You know, okay, so somebody's just poured their heart out and what you're going to offer them is the sinner's prayer. I am a lowly sinner, but Lord, you know, it's like, whoa, I don't like the way the prayer is starting out if I've got a heavy heart. And what Jesus is saying is that, is that sin is the belief that separation from God is real. Um, and if that's your baseline, you know, and of course that's part of a lot of the theologies, you know, that, that is the baseline. <laughs> People will say, yeah, everyone in the world is a sinner. And that's why we start with the sinner's prayer. But if sin is, is seen as this evil thing, you know, that word that Kristen 
was just saying she doesn't even, it's not even really in her vocabulary, but, but for, for some, the words evil or sin are so predominant that it's, that's the word they've been hearing for years, for generations. And what Jesus is saying is, actually, sin is the cornerstone of the ego's belief. In other words, because the ego raises sin up is so important, is because it's totally dependent on that, on, on sin, which is separation from God. In other words, that's the, that's the starting point of the ego, and every single thing that it teaches is based on sin. And even well-meaning Christians, very sincere Christians, will still talk about sin as a reality. But what Jesus is teaching us is, whoa, no, that sin is, is not reality. He says, I'm telling you, sin has absolutely nothing to do with reality. It's not, it's not really a baseline. You can't really start there. So immediately, he starts with the Holy Spirit is saying sin is an error to be corrected. You see, already it's been taken out of the mortal, dark, Darth Vader category. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been lifted over to an error to be corrected. I think even if you go back to the um, Aramaic, if you go back into the old scriptures and the Aramaic, Jesus taught in, sin was missing the mark. Sin was not a black mark, an indelible black mark on your soul. It was missing the mark. It was an error, like an archer. You know, when an archer is firing an arrow towards a, towards a target, the goal is to hit the bullseye, right? The, the goal is to have the arrow go right in the middle. But for most archers, they, they, they do hit a lot of parts. Sometimes they can't even hit the target. <laughs> They're all over. That's what you call missing the mark. But it's not a reality. Evil has no reality. And error is something that can be corrected. Then Jesus, once we get that far with him, it's like he said, oh no, you can seem to do many things, but there's one thing you cannot do, and that's sin. <laughs> you cannot sin. Isn't it great to hear Jesus Christ coming in with you? Cannot sin. Then with error, he says, actually too, the Holy Spirit corrected the error. It took the Holy Spirit that long. The Holy Spirit corrected the error the instant it seemed to occur. So now, sin is, is not real. The error has been corrected. And then the focus becomes on, can I, can I accept the correction? You see? Now the whole thing is starting to shift. This is where the screaming can start to loosen up. <laughs> it's like after, scream for what? You know, it's like, once you start to really get what Jesus, you start to really grok and grasp what he's going at, he's saying, no, the error has been corrected. Now, now turn yourself toward the light. Turn yourself towards accepting your innocence, accepting your divinity, accepting the correction. Give everything Put it in that direction. That's where the mighty companions can help. Reflections of like, oh, what's going on? And let's pray together and let's unburden our soul here. And so you can see where this 
whole thing is heading. And then he's got a great line in the Course where he says, you are not responsible for the error, but you are responsible for accepting the correction for the error. Isn't that a great line? You are not responsible for the error, but you are responsible for accepting the correction to the error. Well, he's just overthrowing all traditions and religions that seem to focus on sin, on darkness, on what's been wrong. He's not saying focus on all the things that have gone wrong. He's saying turn yourself instead to what is right-minded, what is what the correction is. Put all your energy into joining with me on accepting the correction. That's where the, the heaviness can start to leave, because then it turns into an adventure. You're just on an adventure to join with Spirit to accept the correction. And when you see it as an adventure, then you know, you're, you're, that's a whole different way of reframing it. So, I hope that our joining here will help to like, loosen and dislodge that heavy feeling that you're having there on, on sin, because uh, I, I don't think, if, I mean if I went around to Christian churches preaching this, I don't think it would be the most popular uh, sermon, but I'm into truth, I'm into joy, I'm into happiness, and I'm into you feeling freed up so that you have a softness in your throat, and, and that you can sing sweet hymns of glory from that throat and not be thinking that it has to be always the ego screaming uh, through it. Because that's a little bit like beating bataka sticks, you know. <laughs> it, it's the old, get it out, you know. Get it out, get it out of your throat, you know. It's like, well, let's, let's start focusing on the, the correction and then that's, that's going to take us up. That, that helps us rise. You were saying, that was your thing. Let us rise. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, thank you for pouring your heart out. Okay, next I'll go to Calico. Go ahead, Calico, you can unmute yourself now. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm going to re relate back to three retreats ago. I asked a question that David, you responded to, and I've been in deep meditation with the question. And just seeing how my mind in this form of calico has functioned from probably the first breath. And it was the ego in this, <laughs> in this calico form has been totally focused on seeing error, which is, goes along with what you were saying, David. I, I can't, I could not see innocence. I could only see where you're sinning and where you're wrong. And that was my first thought about everybody had some version of that with it. So I asked this question and it was, 
I can't even remember really how you phrased it or how I phrased it. And the question is not the, is not the issue. The answer was the issue. And your answer to me was something like this. I'm paraphrasing. As an advanced teacher of God, you can't be asking those questions. There was so much wrong with that. I mean, it landed like when I first read The Power of Now, you know, it, none of it made sense. I read it twice. I went out and got the CDs, started listening to them over and over, and eventually it made sense. But initially it sounded like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was just dumbstruck because it was coming from you, David, and I don't see you as a guru, but when you share something, I receive it completely and it lands over here. So I went deep with this and it was everywhere. Every, I mean, it got to the point where every thought I think is an ego thought. I have no thoughts that are anything but ego thoughts. The only time I'm not in ego land is when I'm in deep meditation or asleep. And then it moved into, we have, I live in a spiritual community and I, it is such an opportunity for growth, such an opportunity for growth. I go to these meetings and there's usually opinions. There's usually two camps of opinions over here and over here. And and I always have an opinion because I always, Calico is an opinion. There would be no figure <laughs> sitting here without an opinion. Because I know who Calico is and I'm going to share with you all my good ideas. And you will either be accepted in loving embrace by me if you agree with me. If you don't agree with me, <laughs> well, I'm just going to make you more wrong. So I'm seeing this playing out everywhere, just everywhere. And, and I just went in, I mean, I would pause and pray every time the thought stream would just get too chaotic. And I would just, Holy Spirit, my prayer, constant prayer, probably for the past five years has been Holy Spirit decide for God for me. But this even took it deeper. It's like, Holy Spirit, I want you to decide for me and I want the experience of the love I am. So in whatever thought streams coming on, show me where I'm holding shame so I can have this experience of release. And <laughs> just yesterday we had another community meeting and I, and I, in my head, I'm already preparing like, well, I, I, I have no opinion. I have no opinion. <laughs> and I wasn't going to say anything. And I thought, I'll just show up for the meeting and love everybody. And the woman that was holding the meeting said, I'm going to go around the room and I want to have everybody's opinion. <laughs> my, my ego immediately went, great, you want to hear from me. I'm going to give you my opinion. I've got some great opinions. <laughs> I was like the second person she called on. And I just sat there going, I have no opinion. And it was so profound. The woman that was right after me, she was saying, did you answer? <laughs> did you say something? What did you say? And it's like, I have no opinion. And the, the beautiful thing about it for me was, 
because I was wanting this deep sense of experience. When I said that, I truly had no opinion. You know, tell me to wear face masks 24 seven, fine. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I cannot even get behind an opinion at this point. <laughs> And so I, I just, I love this retreat. This has been so profound. And I just want to give a little shout out just to all the people that are involved in setting these retreats up. Um, they build on each other. So give yourself the gift of consistency, you know, consistent love and truth. And I get that from being on these retreats. And like I said, you know, this was a question I asked three retreats ago that I'm still <laughs> receiving benefit from it. Um, and, you know, that's the gift that keeps on gifting as far as I'm concerned. And I just, I thank you all. I am so grateful for this community of open-mindedness um, because that's really, that's where I'm going. And I join you in that field, holding hands and singing at the top of our lungs. So thank you. Thank you, Calico. Yeah, when you were talking about that and the, the word, your keyword, when you said experience, um, it was so cool because I just went right back to that lesson I did yesterday, lesson 158, uh, and, and I went down into that part where Jesus was saying that, 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 that an experience will come to the mind, it's already been set, it's like an, a, there will come a time where, you know, you will, an experience will come, he says in the text, that will end your doubting. And then in Lesson 158 he said, there's an experience and, and the mind comes to this point through an experience, but not, it's not something you learned. And so I was just like, that just still is with me, that one line from yesterday that we tend to talk about, in terms of our teaching and learning and all the experiences we've gone through on planet Earth and all the experiences of our personality self, and then Jesus like lifts it way out of there and he says, no, oh, it's actually, it's set. It's, it's already been determined by the mind and you attained it not through learning. In other words, it's like what he's saying is everything that we've considered an experience, it ain't it. And God will take the final step, and then you'll, you'll go, O-M-G. <laughs> and, and so to me, that, it's, that's what's so cool about this, just our joy of coming together, that you can even say one word, and then it's like, oh, I'm going into 158 again, and Aries' question about simultaneity, and oh, and Jesus saying, oh, there's an experience, all right, but you attained it not through learning, you know, it's the, the intellectual part that's trying to somehow, it has some kind of a concept of experience and it's like, you know, trying its best to grab it or get it, like it's in the room somewhere, like, there it is, get it, <laughs> you know, but Jesus is like, relax, <laughs> relax, this is on a realm <laughs> that is so beyond your teaching and learning that just relax, I got you, you're in the tractor beam, <laughs> enjoy, <laughs> you know, enjoy, enjoy the ride up the beam, you know, is what he's really saying to us. 
And I know for, for those that are like intellectual students of the Course, you know, they, they don't even like to hear that. They, you know, that's like the fun of the chase you're taking out. Jesus, you're taking out the fun of the, the chase or the search. But in the end, yeah, it, it's more of a surrender. That's another word. So thank you. I love it that, that you are bringing this all up. It's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, thanks, Calico. I'm going to go to Christina next. Go ahead, Christina. You can unmute yourself. Hi, everyone. Hi, Christina. Hi. That's so precious. This is my group therapy time, and I'm so excited to be with you all. And my nine-year-old actually told me to keep doing this every month because I was so much happier. Um, <laughs> so I'm here by his instruction, my mighty companion. And um, yeah, it's just so powerful because um, I do tend to share a lot with them about what I'm learning here. And um, I love to look at movies with them. We look at children's movies and like the Lego movie or different movies and talk about what's happening and how we can you know, um, transcend these things together. Um, I told them yesterday I was quitting um, my job as a mother. And, um, and they said, no, you can't quit. We have a contract. I said, well, I'm here because I love you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing this for, that, for, for love. And, and just, yeah. So I'm just so thankful to everyone for just, yeah, just having this place for us to be ourselves and to step forward as Christ and to say, this is real for me and this is what I want. And um, yeah, it's just super, super precious. And um, I guess I felt just really to share one one thing. I um, I was looking up Christ consciousness on the YouTube and a couple years ago and um, this pastor came out and uh, he was, you know, a wild uh, speaker and he actually mentioned um, that he had an experience with Christ and that this was an Adamic dream, this whole entire world. And he was speaking the exact same concepts that we are talking about here. And it just blew my mind because he was just, he was just a biblical preacher. I thought, here he is, the spirit's just blasting us all. So just get rid of the lines, evangelical hindu whatever there's nothing happening there it's just all yeah. light it's just all love so thank you so much for doing anything. god oh, bless god. you thank you thank you thank you hey christina that's great that's like a, a blast of open-mindedness <laughs> circling the globe all over the universe <laughs> i'm resigning as mom I, because I love you. Oh, ho, ho. you had all the backing of the of the universe and spirit behind you on that one. <laughs> That's beautiful. You know, I I, I would say too for some because I, I remember my friend Lisa when I first started. She invited me to her house and to do gatherings there, and and uh, she had. Uh, Two teenagers actually at the time and uh, after she spent a few weeks of just kind of looking around she said basically she said wow they're just running the house 
I, I go to work, I'm a CEO of a company, I pay the bills, I clean up, I pick up the laundry, I do the laundry, I fix the meals. I'm doing this super mom <laughs> thing and, and they're in charge of the whole house. And I said, yeah, I said, I don't think that will really be good for your spiritual development. Um, and she said, really? And I said, yeah, I think, you know, you need to give some reverence to the presence inside you and what feels helpful. And so I worked with her over a few weeks where I said, you know, you're actually going to have to just sit down with them and just talk to them. And um, so she did a similar thing, but instead of just saying, I'm resigning as mother because I love you, she just kind of got into the first part. And uh, the teenagers reacted with, oh no, you're not. And, uh, and she said, I think it's important. I really, I've been praying and talking to David, I, I, I really feel it's important. And they said, no way. Uh, we're the children, uh, you're the mom, you've got these duties and everything, and we're going to play the children role, you're playing the mom role, end of discussion. So then I checked in with her and I, I said, how, week after week, I would say, how's it going? She said, well, World War II erupted. Uh, after I resigned as the mom. And, and she said, it, I guess it had to happen, but there was a lot of stuff that came up. And then after like two weeks, the teenagers finally came back to her and they said, listen, if you're not going to play the mom role, then we're not playing the teenager role. And that means we're not going to do anything that you expect the teenager to do. You resign as mom, we resign as teenagers, and then we'll just see what happens. And so I checked in with the next week and I said, how's it going now? And she said, World War III uh, has started. But eventually, over the years, with her staying the focus of this amazing healing journey, these, I've known her teenagers as they've grown up into adulthood and how they got, her discussions with them opened up more about what what is real, what is healing, all the communication channels opened up, all of the glory came in there. These ones bloomed like flowers in amazing ways that she could never have imagined. And it just kept on blooming and expanding and expanding. So for you to do that with, with your nine-year-old son and then to come in too, I'm, I'm resigning as mom, because I love you, uh, wow, you've, I think you've just gone past World War II and World War III, uh, and you're just showing as a demonstration that it's a matter of willingness and, and our trust and faith, and not a matter of time. Uh, by your own faith, uh, we, are, we are all set free. So, you know, thank you for being that demonstration and witness for everyone, for all of us to even behold this. It's, it's very good. Thank you, Christina. Okay, next I will go to Roberto. Go ahead, Roberto, you can unmute yourself. Hey! Well, hello! <laughs> hello! <laughs> Hello to this uh, lovely uh, community. I'm so grateful to you all. You uh, just, uh, I feel like uh, we are family. 
but David, uh, yesterday you were in one of those, uh, uh, you know, very deep, uh, you know, moods, and you, you really go down, down <laughs> the core, and we love it, right? And uh, at the end, you said that you're going to come back to that uh, issue of uh, uh, the script is written, right? So I gave you some thought about that. And then, you know, recently, I finally understood, you know, that also in another section, you know, uh, Jesus says that um, we have responsibility for sight. So everything that comes to us, you know, uh, it came because we asked for it. And the only way I could understand that after some time, and after I also uh, listened to uh, Ken Wapnika, but there was a long time that I listened to that. And I remember that he said, well, this, this uh, responsibility for sight only works at the, uh, at the Christ level. It doesn't work at the individual level. So the responsibility for sight is that, you know, everything has already happened, and then you're watching, uh, you know, whatever is happening with you is your responsibility because you are the Christ. That's the only way I could understand that, okay? And I think that that's probably the only way we will understand this line that the, the script is written. It's not written for you, David, or for Francis, or for me, or for anybody else. The script is written for everybody at the same time. So that's, that's why the script is written. Then when you take that load off your, you know, the individual view, then you're able to understand it. I just wanted you to comment to see if, if that's right. Well, you, you were mentioning the individual level or perception and then the Christ, but actually what's, what's in between in the, the vehicle to realize the Christ is the mind. So, the, we're talking about the mind, that's why everything we teach, all guidance is about now and, and for the mind. Um, so, I think that's the, that's the point in between the Christ is just pure light. Uh, the individual is the belief in a separate personality. And then the mind, bringing everything back to the mind and coming to that, that's where we were reading Lesson 158 where he was saying, you know, there's an experience for the mind. He didn't say experience for the Christ, because the Christ, you know, is just light. And he didn't say experience for Roberto, or David, or Francis, or the personality self, but he did talk, the beginning of Lesson 158 is, you are mind, holy mind, purely mind. He even capitalizes in their mind. And he's saying in the Manual for Teachers that mind is the activating agent of spirit. So, so in other words, I'm talking about this, and we're using this with everything we teach, every day, every moment, everything we're sharing, part of these online retreats, everything I share when I show source code, everything I share when I, I, I show 
next, where I show these quantum movies, Mr. Nobody, it's all aimed at having an experience of mind. Because even with Kristen Lorraine, she was talking about watching the scene again in her mind, and all of a sudden she saw that, that those hands in a whole new way, and she went, there's no goodbyes, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no parts, there's no parting. And that is, is an experience of our mind. Some call it a mystical experience. But I would say that we have, that's where the practicality comes in, of starting to really honestly start to say, oh my gosh, I really need to watch my mind, because everything I think and say and do teaches all the universe. That, that mind is, is so powerful, that's why it was pushed out of awareness. The power of it was even pushed away to kind of play small, to play the tiny self, you know. So, yeah, that's, I'm glad you're bringing it up, because that, that Lesson 158 is coming to me so strong on this weekend, that it's, it's really calling us to pay attention, to pay close attention. Uh, you know, sometimes he says, you're much too tolerant of mind-wandering. He's, he's saying, pay, pay attention, because your mind is extremely powerful, and you may not fully understand what is what the mind is even capable of, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to take you back. So thank you for that. That's, that's kind of, to me that's like the link that, in what the analogy you shared, that's the link that, that needs... I mean, I know Ken, for example, would say, you know, we all have these relationship classrooms and education classrooms, and Jesus was always telling me, it's the mind. The mind is the classroom. Uh, the mind and the thoughts are the classroom. The, your mind seemed to learn this world of time and space, and now it has to unlearn it. And, and, and the personality self is just like a figure, like a little shadow dancing on the, the movie screen, you know. It's, and all those other things, shadows that are around that shadow, are not the classroom. It's, it's actually the mind. Uh, and that's what the whole workbook is about. So, it's good. It's good that you're bringing it up, because it's like, these are real practical, not only metaphysical questions, but, but actually there's a, there's a huge practical application uh, that I feel is what spiritual awakening is about, which is transcendence of the, of the perception of the body and the world entirely. So thank you, Roberto. Thank you. Love having you on our journey with us. You're, you're keeping us all on our toes in the mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go to Lainey next. Go ahead, Lainey. You can unmute yourself. Hi. Hello. Can you hear Hi, me? Hi, Lainey. Yes. Hi. I just had something on my mind that has been like circling around for quite some time and it's like boiling down to um, holding no private thoughts and no people pleasing the practicality of that and actually in a specific situation and um, where I perceived like that something actually then went wrong when I went for that 
yeah expression so i'm just gonna share very briefly of the specific situation because i just feel that yeah it's just the lead in and then i just feel that i'm um, i'm stuck in that perception of how that situation went and i'm just wishing for a new way to look at that whole thing and yeah reach that point of peace and calmness around it so it's actually like six months ago we were on vacation with our the whole family um me and my uh, boyfriend and our little girl and my mom and his mother also and we were at a restaurant and we weren't at all satisfied with the food so we actually decided to complain and tell the restaurant owners that we wouldn't like to pay for like half of the food because it was so bad and that was really um an important step for me to actually speak up and say that this was really so bad uh, so we don't want to pay for this food usually in the past i would have just uh, thought that no don't upset them and you don't want to get into a conflict with people you just you know eat up and swallow down you know <laughs> But we decided to uh, then tell them. And it got so ugly so quickly. I mean, the, the restaurant owner then actually attacked us physically. She started grabbing our bags. And she even, my mom was the one that, that got most hurt in this whole situation. And it's so, uh, I, I feel like, I feel guilty for the whole thing because then I've started to blame myself. Why did you do that? Why did you tell them that you didn't want to pay for the food? Why didn't you just, you know, hold a, like put on a mask of contentment and just do what normal customers do. And um, so, and it's been like really stuck in my mind and, and it, that whole event, it, it really, we were gone for like two weeks and I really feel that I couldn't, I couldn't shift my perception around that. And it, it really, it kind of colored the whole vacation. I couldn't like, yeah, find a release from that. It really, I felt, I kind of blamed myself that it was my fault that I, look what you did now. You Now you spoke up and you didn't people please and you didn't hold private thoughts and look how it went, you know? So, um, yeah, and I feel really bad. It wasn't even my mom that complained about the food. She paid her part, but she was the one that got like scratched on the arm and really, she grabbed her and she had some, even some blood flowing and some bruises and it was just so crazy. And, uh, yeah, so, and then of course there is this, this concept of the script is written if you then apply it on, on that, if it's like, yeah, I couldn't have done anything differently. My part was really already scripted, you know?
So then there is that, do I have personal control even over my own behavior or not? Could I even have chosen a different? So yeah, <laughs> I guess as always those situations, situations are just a good lead into, yeah. Oh, thank Something you. Deeper. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lainey, that's great that you're sharing all this with us because it's like there's a lot of, there's a couple questions in there, but it's also a great teaching example. You know, the, the last question you were asked, you brought, very end, you brought in the scriptures written thing, uh, and it's like part of the value is, is changing the way that we, our habit of, of how we look at the world, like the setting the goal section Jesus has in the Course, where he says, put the goal out front and be firm in having the goal out front, and then the situation will, will reflect your goal, like whatever goal you have out front, um, then you'll see this unified reflection based on the goal. Like, like Frances, you know, getting all these messages from her mother, and then she's thinking, I'm going to call her, but I really want to see her, her truly. I want, I really, you know, she was, Francis was praying in her mind, like she was like before the call, she was really anchoring into the purpose for calling her mom, so that she didn't drift off. Because Jesus says in that set, setting the goal section that without a clear-cut goal out front, the situation just seems to happen, and then you look back on it. And every time you look back on it, you always look back with the ego. The, only the ego looks back. The Holy Spirit never, ever looks back on anything. So that's a, that's a huge lesson right there, because you've just been replaying this, like Calico was talking about, re replaying this question and answer from a few retreats ago. This, ever since this event, you know, it's, it's on your mind. And the ego is just like spinning it like a Rubik's Cube. A tumbler in there, you know, like, oh, oh, Lainey, look at, oh, that's bad, you, whatever, you blew it, you know, you, did, you tried no people-pleasing and you did it in the restaurant, your mom got bruised and, and bloodied and everything, you know, you see how the ego's guilt, 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 but it, it's the only one that looks back. It's not like Jesus is in there saying, oh, yeah, Lainey, let's analyze this. I, I love to play Sigmund Freud, you know, I just, I really loved it when I, and let's just look back on that and rehash that a hundred different ways, maybe a couple hundred more. You know, no, it's the ego that looks back. So that's one great lesson you just are giving us, for all of us, like, you know, don't look back and analyze, because you're doing it with the ego. And then also Jesus says, never, an, uh, never analyze the motives of others. So that's a helpful one too, because that's tied into don't look back. We, we tend to look back with the ego mind and go, what was that restaurant owner <laughs> thinking? You know, getting violent with customers and this and that. Now on a practical thing, I can give you for, for the future, which is really just for right now, but for what seems to be the future of Laney, let's look at this. That it's, uh, expression sessions are really ways of us getting in touch with, with our feelings and not just stuffing them down. And that's, that's the good value of you realize, I, wow, I, I felt some, some pretty strong things there. Uh, and, and I might have just in the past just stuffed it down, bite my lip and go out and not say a word. 
And so you were determined to, like, okay, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, I don't want to get this caught inside of me. And, and so you were aware of those feelings around the food and around the, how, the taste of the food. You're thinking, that's really bad, bad food. The thing about it is when you do an expression session, or whenever we do expression sessions, it's, it's one thing to express, but it's another thing to put an, an outcome at the end of the expression. In other words, your expression was, this is terrible food, this is bad, bad food, and I don't want to pay the bill. You see how that would be like having a, a, a talk with your boyfriend and said, I'm, I'm feeling awkward, or I'm feeling uncomfortable, I really don't want to do this right now, or, you know, you've just, like with your boyfriend, your mother, or your daughter, you know, just expressing what you feel. But when we put the, the tail end up on it, and it's bad food, and I don't want to pay the bill, you see how we set, we set the terms for our happiness based on an expectation of how the restaurant should respond. Oh, miss, I'm so sorry. That's just, I'm glad you told us that. Of course, please, let's take that off the bill immediately, you know. Maybe we have some kind of a, a scenario in mind. We, don't, it, we may or may not. But still, when we put that expectation, like we're doing an expression session, for us to heal in our mind, and then we put the hook of how it has to come out, you know. And, I, and I'm not, I don't want to pay for this. It's bad and I don't want to pay for this. You see that we add the expectation. Jesus tells us in the Course, you, every moment of every day, you're always egoically trying to add something on. You know, instead of just let all things be exactly as they are and be in a state of perfect non-judgment, the ego is always trying to say, yeah, well, it would be a little bit better. It would be better, too, if, yeah, we, we shouldn't have to pay. We should not have to pay for bad food. Uh, that's just an assumption, that's just a belief. And then, uh, it's seemingly the witness you got back is from the owner. I don't share that <laughs> belief. In fact, she, this owner vehemently <laughs> did not share that belief, you see? But because we have the expectation there, then we not only do the expression, but then that comes in. Now, the other third thing that's coming to mind is just the context. You know, we talk, I always talk about, you know, share what's on your heart, let it up, get in touch with it and everything. It reminds me of that first time when I was in Hawaii and I was doing a retreat and JP, Francis's partner, came to the retreat at the founder's house and he came and he intently listened. And the whole first day I talked about not stuffing, not rep repressing, not keeping things bottled up, uh, express, expose everything, you know, and everything. So that was my first day of the, of the weekend. And so JP was there for the whole day and he was like, fantastic. <laughs> so he went to his girlfriend and he spilled the beans. He told her everything in his mind. Every thought he had, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the ugly, the whatever, and everything. And then he comes back the next day to the second day of the retreat and he said, well, I, I tried to practice the no private thoughts and no people pleasing, uh, uh, but it didn't go well. <laughs> he said, I, it did not go well at all. 
whatever the reaction of the girlfriend was, it was just like, are you kidding? You know, it was pretty wild. But I, I, he said, maybe I'm, I, I'm missing. I said, oh yeah, today's the second day of the retreat. I'm going to talk about discernment. <laughs> so, no private thoughts, no people pleasing. And now we talk the next day on discernment. Discernment, again, it comes to prayer. You know, whenever we do an expression session, it has to be very prayerful about the purpose. Again, the, the goal has to be so strong out in front. And even that is where you have to, I will step back and let him lead the way. For example, in this case, you might have thought, wow, that food is really bad and, and I need to talk about this. And uh, you might have just paid the bill, <laughs> gone to the ladies' room and and said to Gertie, your mother, I need to express something about that food. <laughs> that was that was bad. That was bad, 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 bad food. You know, Gertie, Course in Miracles student, your mother, you share the same purpose of not repressing, not <laughs> denying. You know, you both are linked. She's your mighty companion. She's your, your mind training partner in this and this. You see, the, the difference of the context of sharing the food was bad, bad, bad <laughs> with your mind training partner in the context of the purpose and the prayer versus sharing it with whoever, the, the waiter, the waitress, or, or the owner, or whatever, you know, which there can be a high investment in the self-concept, you know, so you understand more and more, that's where that setting the goal in your mind becomes so helpful. Because then you start to become more prayerful, like Frances was before she had that call with her mother. She was, okay, getting all these messages about pandemic and self, where are you, are you healthy, are you healthy? But she waited, 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 prayed, prayed, what is it that I really want to share, what is it I really want to see in my mother. You know, you see, that it's a very prayerful approach. That's really what you're asking. Uh, but as far as the ego, all the ego sees is what went wrong. You see, it's, it's not interested in the correction. It is an, interested in falsely analyzing the problem. Oh, it likes a wild goose chase into the past. Uh, you know, it loves a wild goose chase into the past because that just reinforces the past is, is still here. It's, it reinforces the so-called reality of the past when really your, your purpose is not to reinforce the past at all. You, you want to set it free. So, thank you. I mean, just you sharing that little scenario with all of us is just loaded with, with rich wisdom and teaching opportunity, you see, because because of your prayer for, I need some help, here's a specific situation, then we all, yeah, we all get lit up. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Gert. Thank Lenny. you, Gertie. Thank you. Lenny. Lenny. Whole family. <laughs> Boyfriend. Daughter. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> hey, next I'm going to go to Krista. Go ahead, Krista. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
Hi. Um, um, it's funny, I'm, I'm nervous the last uh, uh, 20 minutes. I was uh, repeating what I was going to say. I noticed and um, and suddenly I was really shivering and cold and I don't know what's happening but um, what I wanted um, to share was um, like three hours ago when you uh, started this talk you um, mentioned something like um, you are not alone because you have mighty companions. Um, and that hit me because um, um, what I noticed uh, um, watching the movie last night is um, what hit me really hard was um, feeling <laughs> really lonely and um, um, the, the movie was um, sorry I um, um yeah, being really, really, really alone just hit hit me so hard, and um, and what I was practicing seeing is like um, I feel like everything is so radical in my thoughts and. Um, it feels like um, there's no way back, that's obvious. Um, but it, it feels for me like um, everything I know and everything I think I know and feel and it's like uh, a big store and it has to come to, an, to one point and then it can open up again. So, um, and I don't know how, how I can explain that, but um, it's like, um, I am longing for something I don't know. And I'm drawn to your um, uh, retreats and YouTubes and everything and um, but it's almost like I'm I'm searching for something for something I really don't know and there's not even one percent percentage I know about it but still I'm drawn to it um, but it's hitting so hard um, because there is so much fear and so much anger and irritation and everything and um it's like i'm i'm hitting this wall all day 
all day long and I, I, I cannot step back from that. So even um, going outside and um, <laughs> I'm going to be the lady with the dogs, but um, walking with my dogs and, and meeting a really gentle, nice old lady every day. Um, and we, um, we're talking about the weather every day. So if, <laughs> if the sun is shining, so that, oh, it's, the weather is nice. And if it's raining, oh, the, oh that's not. And it, it's like, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not myself. I'm, I'm outside of myself and I'm looking at her and she is, she's saying, oh, it's, it's cold or, and <laughs> it's right. I'm, I'm like, wow, you're, um, how do I explain it? Um, like, um, like this mirror and I, um, I li I'm losing my breath now and my words, but I so much want to explain. Um, it's like I um, hitting this um, wall, like um, realizing that I never ever in my whole life um, really uh, been with someone, really had normal contact. So when she's saying something, it's like I'm I'm watching outside of myself, and I'm I'm like I have to uh, say something back, or but it, it, nothing is right, and I'm um, uh, isolating myself now. I know this. It seems like um, it's so radical that I. I, I, I don't know how to uh, uh, talk to people anymore because it's it's all fake. It's all chit chat, and so and I'm, I'm looking at myself and yeah. Wow, thank you. Yeah, we can talk about that. That's that's beautiful though that you you're aware. You're in touch with that, Krista, because it's quite common, too, when people who are, are working with the Course or working on healing, that, that you start to notice even the most mundane or the basic interactions, you know, you start to get this feeling like, oh my God, look at how fake that is. Before, it just, you weren't even aware of the fakeness, and then the next thing is you're thinking, what is this? This this is like, it's like a, a reaction, but it's there's there's no authenticity to it. But again, even though that's like an insight, uh, the the ego is like saying, yeah, that's why you know you're a mess. You know, it it comes right in and says, look at you, you're a fake. You know, this is fake and you're fake, and and then it doesn't feel good. We feel isolated and closed down. 
And so, you're asking, like, I, I don't really know how to go through this. I go through this with the dogs and meeting this woman every day, but the next step, what Jesus wants us to do is, he wants us to realize that we just be open to a miracle and just be open to the involuntary nature of the miracle and, and we're open to more the question is, as you get those dogs ready to go out is, okay, what do I want to come of this walk? What are the feelings? What is the purpose for this walk? And you're going to let Jesus put the words in your mouth. This is different because you're not used to it. You're used to Krista selecting to talk or not to talk. You know, you see how different that is? We're used to believe, we believe that we're at have believed we're autonomous people, we decide when to speak, when not to speak, we control the actions of the body and everything like this. And Jesus is saying, you really need to let me be in charge of, of all the things of time and space and just be willing to join with me in your mind. And it's going to be different at first, it's going to feel a little odd and strange, because the ego is going to think it's very odd, weird even. But then you start to just let your words, you let the whole encounter just happen spontaneously without trying to control it. Uh, and, and you watch how the ego wants to jump back in there and control this, the interaction. But you're just going to practice now with, okay, I'm going to take my walk, you you walk with me this time, Jesus, and you, if there's any interaction in words, you just, if there's any words to speak, you, you be the one. Because I'm interested in seeing something new. I don't know what that thing is even, but I want a new, a new way of, of experiencing myself and being. One time, back in the, like, 1993 or maybe 1994, I was with a whole group of students, and it was a snowy day in Denver, and we all, all walked out. It looked like a, like a Courier and Ives snow scene. It was like, there was beautiful snow on everything. And we all go out, and this is a, a very devoted Course in Miracles community back in Denver, Colorado, that I, I was part of. And, and we go out, and we go, and we walk across one of these little walking bridges, and as we're walking across the walking bridge with all the snow scene and everything, one of the students, she went, it's, it's so beautiful. And then she turned and looked at me with a sense of guilt, like she just committed a sin, that, <laughs> exclaiming how beautiful the scene was. Almost like she'd violated lesson number one, nothing I see means anything. She went, she was from Australia, it was actually Alexandra, and she was like, it's so beautiful! And then she went, <laughs> like with a look of terror on her face, turning to the teacher, that she had like violated some kind of thing. And I remember going, yes, it is. Because it wasn't, it's never about the specific words, it's never about the specific situation, it's always about the purpose that you are giving in your mind, which is the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. And then, from that place of 
rest and relax and peace, then even the words that come out of the mouth are just given. Everything is given. And you're off the hook of trying to think, you have to figure out how to break out of this pattern of, oh, it's a sunny day. Isn't it nice it's a sunny day? Oh, it's raining. <laughs> it's raining today. Oh, that's too bad. The next day. But it's, it's sunny today. Yes, isn't that nice? It's rainy. That's, that's what a pity. You know, you see, it's like, it seems like the world it we're so accustomed to is like a broken record. It's just, it's just going round and round and round and round and round, and then you're like thinking, this is really fake. This is really fake. But not in a joyful way, you're, in a depressing way, you're, you're thinking this is really fake. And Jesus is saying, oh no, that's okay, that's a good insight. And it doesn't stop there. Like, now come and join with me and let me show you how judgment through you rather than by you. You see, if it's by you, it's Krista going, another fake encounter. Damn. Uh, you know, I just, there's nothing joyful or authentic about just habitually going through these fake encounters. But that's judgment by you, meaning by the ego. And then judgment through you is what we talked about on this weekend for open-mindedness, where you, I read that passage where Jesus says, you can't, you don't have to figure out how to stop judging, you just have to realize that you're not even capable of judgment in the first place. And the only way to do that is to allow judgment through you rather than by you to occur. So that's great. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is all about practicality. You're, that's really what you're asking for. It's like, I, I want to feel some connectedness and joy and, and that's what I want to light my life up. You know, that's what I'm asking for. And then this encounter we're having is just like, just a little bit of a prayer saying, are you willing to just, before you go out with the dogs, to, you know, to just say a little prayer? Uh, like, I need help. Because the ego doesn't need any help interpreting the world, it's, it's the ego's world. It's a world of judgment, you know, it's like, no thank you. <laughs> Your mind is like saying, I think maybe we need help here. <laughs> and the ego's like, we do not need help. I can repeat the same old error and judgments over and over. I can, the ego doesn't ask for help uh, for interpreting and guiding. But your mind, your sleeping mind, is not the ego. It's, it's, it knows that it has something more. You don't know what that is, but there's something much more. So just, just ask that prayer. Uh, ask, ask the Spirit to join you tomorrow on your walk uh, with the dogs. You'll see, you're already smiling. See, just even thinking about it, you've you got a smile. Because it, it, is, a, it is very different, admittedly. <laughs> All of us, it's very different when we, when we start to do that. But then we have some very wonderful experiences that come, that's what Ken and, and Greg were talking about, all these experiences that came to them and there was glee and joy even though they didn't see it coming. And Francis was saying, it's doing it to us really, it's, it's choosing us. You've been chosen. <laughs> You've been chosen as part of this wake-up, even if it's only one percent that you, 
that you feel you can relate to that calling, uh, you, you have been called by the Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Krista. Hi. Can I add something? Sure. Yeah. Um, um, when I first started the course, and that is something that uh, won't leave my mind, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, I had this really strange uh, experience um, walking down the street and, and suddenly everything collapsed or I, I don't know what happened um, and that night I was so uh, happy and I was overflowing with happiness and I, I wrote down and um, one of the th um, one of the things I wrote down was um, very happy at that moment uh, there's no one gonna catch you. There is no one there. There's there's nothing. There's um, no one's gonna save you. And I was so happy at that moment. Um, and I want to go back to that, but it's like um, that is what is um, hitting me the hardest. Because I, I noticed that all my life I um, I have been um, leaning on my parents or friends or and there there must be some uh, deep deeply rooted uh, belief that I cannot be on myself in this world I can. <laughs> I cannot do this on myself with uh, uh, work and house and everything. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm not um, sure yet where where this is going. But I I felt like saying it because this is where where I get stuck so much. Um, and there's yeah, there's there's just a lot of fear and it's like everything is coming at the same time. Everything is coming together right now, and there's um, like like a, a crying out for <laughs> I am right that I am um, that I I cannot do this on my own. And that's, it's really, a, it's like, a, it's going up and down. And I I so much want to just jump and let it all go. <laughs> mm, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Krista. Yeah, just remember, like, when, when Kenneth talked on Friday night, he had a realization he couldn't do it on its own. And when Greg shared his experiences, he's, he couldn't do it on its own. His own, uh, when um, Barbara 
mm. was talking with her, doing her 12-step her uh, thing. I can't do it on my own. So it's, you can start to just revel and, and be grateful for that feeling. Uh, and don't even try to figure it out. You know, just, you can, because the happiness comes from just this inner feeling like, like I, I, I can't do it on my own and I don't need to do it on my own. That, that help is given me. So if you just stay with that, then you can start to relax into it. Like, like Kenneth and Greg talked about on their journeys, you know, they had to, things just started happening. It just was all happening, and it was happening, like you said, fast, and then, but instead of trying to like hold on or grip or cling, you know, it was just more this inner awareness, I, I don't have to do it on my own. And feeling like I have to make sure I am not going to go off. Because I was also remembering for some reason in this weekend that Peter, who is here in the studio right now, he, because I met him in Australia before we joined the community together, we were in the same course group. And then one day Peter came to me and said he had this huge mystical experience where he was so happy beyond this world and he couldn't stop laughing because he was happy for no earthly reason. He couldn't stop laughing for the longest time. And then when he came out, he was frustrated because that all he wanted was to come back to that place. So it's like, you know, sometimes in this journey we are given this huge, vast glimpse, and then, then the work starts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then let's, let's just relax, because it's not up on our shoulder to make like those experiences are given, it's not learned. No matter how much you learn, you can't, you can't generate it. But it's like a, a relaxation and giving ourselves over to what shows up, to, to trust Jesus has got, has got us, you know, in a way. Yeah. 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 Be grateful for the glimpse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> grateful for the glimpse. Okay, well, we've got one more hand up from Andy. Go ahead, Andy. Hey, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to um, let go of a grievance, any grievances I had um, with the community. Um, yeah, I just wanted to be. Yeah, I wanted to let go of the grievance that um, I was told to leave and take responsibility um, for my mind. And I wanted to share an experience I had yesterday, um, too, of Christ's vision. Um, before, before I started, um, I... I, I took the I took the healing time to just um, yeah I looked at everyone in the mind um, and forgave every yeah saw the innocence in them um, and then the retreat started and. It was peaceful. It was. It was a miracle. Um, 
and time um, lapse. It was unspeakable. But I wanted to let go of any grievances. Um, and take responsibility for sight. Thank you, Andy. Thank you for the prayer, Andy. Beautiful. Um, I'm really inspired by the community and thank you. For all that you do and I'm so grateful. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I just want thank you. So grateful we for love you. you. We thank you. Beautiful. Okay, well beautiful. What a healing weekend. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us, sharing it. And it's always beautiful to see your faces and, yeah. And read, you know, we, we were able to go through some of the beautiful prayers and questions, but just thoroughly enjoyed reading them all. And Seema, thanks for sending that uh, song today. You, <laughs> we enjoyed that right when we were coming up to the studio. And uh, feeling the joy of that, that launched us into this whole session. So, thank you, and thank just the blessings that you're all sharing out so freely with us. You know, this is, it feels so natural and so easy and so wonderful just to show up and be so transparent. And it's, we're so glad that you realize that whether you can remember what you were even going to say or whether you pre-planned it or whether you just showed up and were called on by Eric and, and, and right there exposed, uh, you know, you start to see that it's all in divine order and it's all being used for, for this holy purpose of healing. So that's what I really love, that you feel, feel that. You feel the love and the connection that you can just show up and, um, and share whatever you need to share and not feeling of hiding or holding back anything and and what a treat for us to to participate in this always look forward to this so thank you thank you all and very profound very profound <laughs>